Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, see, here's the problem. It's 71 degrees already. <laughs> you know, it's like I just got, uh, uh, it's hot out there. So I got all the fans going this morning and the windows open. I mean, and, and, uh, normally I'd worry about trash noise, uh, trucks going by, but apparently they don't show up on the mic. It's, it's pretty centralized to just my voice right here. Um, but uh, it's like 40 degrees last week. <laughs> you know, I started to stop freezing. I'm wearing the sweats, you know, and I'm huddled in here and I got the heaters going occasionally. And, uh, you know, now it's like hot, humid going to rain about eight o'clock uh, thunderstorms uh, still looking into getting a, a power source uh, so that we don't cut out the station so i'm still playing you know roulette here so <laughs> hopefully it doesn't get so many other things uh, that need doing it's incredible but anyway uh, that's a good reason to have sponsors by the way too so if you want to sponsor action radio give sendgo.com slash action radio that would help uh, if you're a local company or a national company or a foundation or a, a political donor tired of giving to uh, rhino candidates to do nothing uh, consider action radio because i'd love to get a power supply <laughs> i'd love to get a bunch of other things i'd love to have a marketing campaign i'd love to change everything uh, so that we can get our freedom back but that's that's my goal here. But uh, let's let's we'll start with the simple things first and kind of work out from there. So you got my email, Greg at writeyourlaws.com. You know everything's on your broadcast page. Uh, everything you could need. You know the live chats there. The uh, just all the information is there. Our, our show site, blogtalkradio.com/slash/citizenaction. Our our bill site, writeyourlaws.com. My new Substack, gregpenglis.substack.com. Uh, oh, I wrote a barn burner of an article over the weekend. Um, actually, Friday night and Saturday morning. Um, it's, uh, what is it, FBI slash KGB. Uh, is it treason or perjury or both? And, and so I go into the legal arguments um, as to why uh, the FBI KGB folks, when they get before Congress, and someone like Ted Cruz asks them, well, how many operatives did you have on the ground January 6th? And they say, I can't answer that question. Oh, well, and then they go, okay, fine, <laughs> which is a stupid thing to do. It's like when they say, well, that's uh, part of an ongoing investigation. And, of course, my reaction is, so I don't care. We, we need to do some oversight on your ongoing investigation to make sure it should be ongoing. You see, they don't say that because they're such cowards in Congress. Even Ted Cruz, who's argued before the Supreme Court, so he's not a total weenie. He actually ran for president, uh, whipped out you know, to Donald Trump. But uh, you know, he's, he's a pretty strong guy. He's intellectually, you know, he's got his act together, right? So you would think. When uh, some you know little twiddly apparatchik you know communist Marxist that works for uh, um, you know the various uh, dictators in our secret police force that would be Merrick Garland, Chris Ray, and the rest of the uh, 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 the Reichstag, <laughs> you know that they would uh, stand up to him when they say I can't answer the question. Simply just say yes, you can. You can answer the question. Not only do not only can you answer the question, you have to answer the question because we do oversight uh, and you're here under oath, which means you have to answer the question. Uh, if we ask it, you have to answer it. Now, you can explain things, you know, unless it personally affects you, which, of course, it does. See, that's the thing. So I'll give away the article. Uh, it's in much more detail. You should read it. But basically, the reason they say that they can't answer the question is because if they say, yes, we did have operators on the ground, well, that's treason. <laughs> that's, that's overthrowing uh, the federal government. That's, that's insur- that is a real insurrection, which, of course, it was, right? Uh, what happened was a real insurrection. It's just not the people you think. You know, you're told it was the Trump supporters. Well, the people that told you it was Trump supporters were the people that actually did the insurrection. In other words, the Democrats and the Rhino Republicans. And so the deep state, deep state, which is Democrats and, you know, and, and most Republicans. 
And uh, so there's only a few that actually believe in freedom on Capitol Hill, few and far between. You know, my congressman, Matt Gates is one of them. Sure, we should come back on the show, though. It should be really nice to be able to uh, talk and, and, and share some of these ideas with him, because this is, a, this is a great argument that he could use, you know, as well as Ted Cruz, you know, when, uh, when Gates is there. Uh, and he could say, uh, well, that's not good enough. You have to answer the question. And then he could give the argument that I give in the article, which I'll away here because it's already published. And uh, quite frankly, I want you to read it. Um, but I said very clearly what, what, uh, what uh, Ted Cruz should have said was, yes, you can answer the question. I said, well, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's uh, analyze this here. So you, know, you can hear, hear your choices. You can say yes, <laughs> you know, that if you answer the question that you did have operatives on the ground, that would you know, most likely be the truth. But that would also be admitting to an insurrection, the overthrow of the U.S. government, treason, uh, even though it's not in time of war, and would cost you, you know, your, your pension, your job, and probably spend the rest of your life in jail. So they can't say yes, right? So the other option is to say no, there were no operatives involved. Well, that's perjury because they know there were, right? And we know there were too. Ray Epps, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, you know, mercenaries, foreign folks, who knows who else. But we know there are operatives there because the Trump supporters were still back at the White House listening to Trump's speech, which started an hour late. And what we don't know is whether Trump started an hour late on purpose because they had figured out in Trump camp that if they start an hour late, uh, they knew that Arizona was the first state alphabetically with two slates of electors, one for Trump and one for Brandon. And that was the whole purpose of January 6th was to stop the Trump electors from being counted at all costs. So they had to stop Congress when Arizona came up alphabetically uh, in the electoral challenge. Well, the Trump supporters weren't there yet. You know, they're still walking down. So that's when Antifa and Black Lives Matter and the operatives dressed as Trump supporters walked in and, and basically stopped the Arizona uh, count. And that's how everybody ran downstairs. And then the Trump supporters showed up. <laughs> hey, we're here. Oh, yeah, come on in. Oh, OK, fine. <laughs> we know how that went anyway. But that's the that's the, the crazy part about all this. That's where it gets really strange, uh, is that uh, the speech was an hour late, and I don't know. I don't know whether he did that on purpose or it's just one of those, you know, God-given accidents that, uh, you know, that Columbo moment that makes life interesting. So here's the choice. The choice for the FBI people, is, is, is KGB people, is very simple. If they say yes, they admit to treason and insurrection. If they say no, that's probably perjury. Uh, and, and if they say I don't know, that's also perjury because, you know, chances are they do know. Uh, and then uh, they're lying about that, too. So the only answer they can give is, uh, I can't answer the question. Now, by saying they can't answer the question, that means they can't say yes, because it's treason. They can't say no, because it's perjury. Uh, they can't say, I don't know, because that's perjury also. <laughs> and so what they do by saying, I can't answer the question, means they know the answer. They refuse to give an answer. And so that's both treason and perjury, because <laughs> they know that there were uh, traitors involved in overthrowing the government, and they're lying about it. <laughs> Okay, so by saying, I don't know, that's actually the worst answer they can give. What they should do is just shut up, not say a thing. But even that's an answer. That's a non-answer answer. So either way, they're screwed. But see, Ted Cruz didn't follow up on that. All right, see, that's his problem. He should have said immediately, okay, fine, and done exactly the argument that I just went through, which is very simple. Um, you know, you say, if you, if you answer yes, we know that's treason. If you answer no, we know that's perjury. If you say, I don't know, that's perjury too. If you say, I can't answer the question, that's both treason and perjury. So which one do you want? <laughs> which option are you going to take? Yeah, the, the best option is perjury. It's the lowest jail term. But see, nobody else is making that argument. You know, you, you, these are the things you don't find in other press. Uh, but, of course, I'm so suppressed in media everywhere that I can't get uh, you know, these, these thoughts out there. So that's up to you. So that's up to you, uh, you know, Marco, on there in the Netherlands. Um, you know, get my article on gregpenglis.substack.com. Uh, about treason, perjury, or both, and share it. 
please. <laughs> you know, everybody should be sharing it. So I got the word out here. I got the word out on live chat. Uh, if you look at the broadcast page and you see live chat, uh, I do have a message for Bill Roos. I don't know how many listeners we have there, probably very few, because they're new uh, and because it's, uh, it's, it's a small percentage. It's like less than 1%. Um, that's what they say. When it's less than 1%, they just tell me worldwide it's less than 1%. A lot of countries are less than 1%, which could mean one, <laughs> one listener. But somebody's there. Somebody's listening you know, in, in Belarus, and I want to know what's going on. So I can check the Belarus news sources. Um, but I'm always suspect of, of government news uh, as to what the truth is. I have much better, like Marco's right there in the Netherlands, so he tells me. You know, he tells me exactly what's going on, gives me websites. So, so he's our de facto European reporter right now. Uh, I'd like to have more. Uh, I need someone uh, in England uh, just because I'm English speaking. <laughs> you know, of course, most, so is most of Europe, actually, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, we only speak one language here for the most part in the United States because uh, almost everybody here speaks English. So folks that come here, if you want to be American, you got to learn English. That's just the way it goes. Hey, listen, if I moved to France and expected to be French, I'd, I'd learn French. I mean, it's their country. You know, if I'm going to be a guest and then a citizen someday, that's what I do because that's the right thing to do. You want to come to the United States? Learn English. Maybe not the speed I speak it, <laughs> but the, I've had a lot of practice. Anyway, so that's the first thing on the agenda is uh, for the FBI KGB, and for those that don't know, the KGB is the old Russian security force under, under like Stalin and uh, Brezhnev and uh, I don't know who else. Is. I think Gorbachev abolished it. I'm not sure. It's got it like NDV. It's got some new initials. It's basically the same thing. It's a secret police force that tortures, kills, and, and does things on behalf of the state, and people just disappear. That's what the KGB is. The FBI is rapidly approaching that because they have a, we have a gulag in D.C. We have political prisoners. We have trial without uh, due process without conviction. We have people in pretrial detention indefinitely. These are all the hallmarks of a communist state, all the hallmarks of a dictatorship. So what's the difference? What, just because it's the United States, you don't think it can happen here? It's already happening here. Wake up. All right. So more news. We've got a ton of, oh, we have so much news today. I'm just going to go through my list, and then I'll get to uh, Trump's 10 points. So the first thing, oh, here's something I, I got to tell I'll do this after the show. I just thought of this uh, before the show. My, Monday's when I kind of get things together. Sunday, I have to do a part-time job. So Sundays were kind of like a, a, a waste, which is too bad. So Monday, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I was watching, actually, I watched, watching uh, Dan Ball on his Heroes thing, and he's riding around the country on a motorcycle. And um, said, he said, he was going all over the place. And let me see if I, I sort of lost my train of thought here. Um, oh, yeah, anyway, so they're, they're photographing the restaurants and the kitchens. And, and the first thing I see in the kitchens are gas stoves. I'm like, oh, boy, <laughs> you know, because, you know, the, the branded insurrection. Uh, in trying to take away our organic fuels, you know, petroleum, uh, coal, oil, natural gas, those are, those are the organic fuels. So don't use another name. Don't use that name for dinosaurs. That's not true. You know, dinosaur bones do not power your 747s. I'm sorry. They just don't. They're powered by organic fuels, which is organic material that's been compressed and heated, you know, turned into hydrocarbons, becomes petroleum, coal, oil, natural gas. Those are organically created. In other words, they're created naturally within the earth. That's why they're called organic fuels. Okay, so start using correct terminology, everybody. All right, so all these restaurants with gas stoves, I want to start a campaign here locally where we got a really good conservative group that prints up a bunch of stickers, you know, saying this restaurant uses gas stoves. <laughs> you know, have them stick them all over the windows of all the restaurants that use gas stoves. And people should patronize the restaurants that use gas stoves because electric is, sucks for cooking. You think your best restaurants use electric stoves? Of course not. You know, I mean, we use them for convenience in, you know, in, in most homes, but they're not convenient at all. They take too long to heat up. That wastes energy. Uh, they take too long to cool down. That wastes energy. You know, so all that heat that, that's uh, after you turn your, your electric element off, that's all wasted heat. Okay. That takes organic fuel to make that heat in your power plant, unless it takes, uh, you know, nuclear power. Uh, anyway, so that's how that works. 
But um, it, it's just kind of interesting that uh, gas stoves, they go on, they're on 100%, they go off, they're off 100%. There's no energy be, in being expended. <laughs> you know, you're not wasting anything uh, except whatever the, the heating element is, but that's not that big a deal. Uh, the, the, the rest, the, the metal rest that your pots sit on. But any stove that's worth anything uses gas. They just do. All right. So that's the first thing. We need a we, need a, we use gas stoves campaign up. That's, that's our, our action radio thing for today. I have a question, a little different subject now. There's a question I've been wondering about for a while. When I take an article uh, and I take the, the website link and I post it on Facebook, a whole bunch of extra letters, numbers, and symbols show up. And sometimes it's two to three times as long as the original code. So I'm thinking to myself, I've been thinking about this for a while, so why is it? So what I started doing was I go, when I, when I post, I don't post an article directly from Facebook onto another group or things like that. I'll get the original article, copy that website, which is substantially shorter, and post that. Because what I think they're doing is they're tracing everybody. And they're tracing everybody with all those extra codes. And so for me, what I'll do is I'll, t- or I'll take a Facebook article and I'll post it directly. But before I click on to, to actually make it a real post, I'll cut out everything uh, up to the slash and the question mark. So the key is the question mark. So once you see a slash, that's the end of the, of the real website. I know I've tried. I've tested this already. It's not like I'm making this stuff up. So that's, and that's all you should be posting. Don't post the code. Don't have them trace you. Screw them. Let them figure it out themselves. So what you do is you post a website and anything after uh, a slash and a question mark. So you cut out the question mark and then everything after it. And it could be, it's a bunch of letters, numbers, capital letters, lowercase letters, things like that. Cut all that stuff out. Because that's what I think they're using to trace everything. I think that's how the algorithms are developed. I think that's how they see trends in articles. I think that's how they do everything they do. But if you only post the apps, the, 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 just the actual website of the article, I don't think there's anything that are traced unless they go individually. So don't give them, don't give them help with algorithms. Don't, uh, don't facilitate Facebook censoring people and alerting to, uh, to articles because they've got a code which sends it to, you know, Facebook, you know, one, <laughs> you know, the data bank and some little nerdy twiddly name, named Todd who sits there in his metrosexual clothes, you know, somewhere in Silicon Valley uh, says, oh, I found another one, <laughs> you know, anyway. Uh, so we don't want metrosexual Todd, you know, flagging your, your account. And so the way around that is to not post the entire website with the code, just post the website, all, all that's needed, the only amount that's needed to actually put it on the uh, um, on, your, on your Facebook or other social media page. I say Facebook because I use it a lot. Even though I'm routinely censored, you know, at least I get to get something out there. So if anybody has any clues on that as to the, the extra code that they provide um, on, uh, on social media after the actual website article code, I'd be curious about that. That's just something I've been sort of looking at for a while. Okay, a couple other things have been happening. Dan Patrick, the Texas Lieutenant Governor, um, Trump referred to him often in his speech on Saturday night. And this guy's pretty good, but I think he's lying in one thing. <laughs> you know, uh, and that's when he said, well, the, uh, the idea that Trump came to Waco on the 30th anniversary of something that happened 30 years ago, he sounds like Ilhan Omar. Some people did something? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, some people did something. Yeah, they killed you know, 3,000 of our citizens uh, with the possible help of our own government and the Bush administration, but that's another show. We've done that, but we'll do it again. I don't mind, I don't mind talking about it. Anyway. So, so Dan Patrick gets up there and he says with a perfectly straight face, Lieutenant Governor of Texas, the fact that Trump came to Waco, Texas 30 years after something happened, you know, 30 years ago, uh, there's no truth to, the, to the, the rumor that this, is, this, is a, this was inspired, you know, by, by the events previously. Oh, give me a friggin' break, you lying POS. <laughs> 
Peter. <laughs> I said, of course it has to do with Waco 30 years ago. It has everything to do with Waco 30 years ago. You know, this, this is an in-your-face, um, you know, deep state warning without actually saying anything. Why, of all the places in the United States, of all the communities he could go to, we've got 50 states, a bunch of territories, a ton of other places. He could go to Europe and make the speech. He could go anywhere in the world and give that speech. It was kind of the same speech he's given before, some, some notable additions, which I'll get to. But he could go anywhere in the United States, in the continental United States. He could go to the Texas border. He could go to the, the northern border with Canada. He could go to Seattle or San Francisco or Miami or, or Detroit or Kansas or Portland, Maine. He could go to New York City. No, he couldn't go there. They're going to arrest him. He could go to Pennsylvania. He could go to West Virginia. You know, he could go to North Dakota. He could go to Oklahoma. He could go to Arizona. He could go anywhere. Where did he decide to go during the 30th anniversary of the Waco massacre by the Clinton administration? Waco. <laughs> That's not a coincidence, folks. Don't treat us like idiots. <laughs> okay, we're not idiots out here. We're not stupid. You know, we see these things. So the idea that Trump went to Waco on the 30th anniversary of the, the Clinton massacre is not a coincidence. That's an in-your-face, I'm-coming-after-you deep state. What do you think the whole speech was about? Going after the deep state. Where did the deep state commit their, their biggest atrocity in the United States in the last 150 years since the Civil War? In Waco. <laughs> okay. It doesn't, doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to put these two things together. Of course he went there because it was the 30th anniversary. Give me a break. Anyway, so Dan Patrick, I don't know who he thinks he's fooling. Okay. It's like the Nile denial. We didn't hear, come here because of the massacre by the Clinton administration, the other party 30 years ago. No, we just picked Waco because it's a, it's a nice city to go visit. Oh, yeah, right. So anyway, I think I'm that to death. But uh, no, the idea that, that Trump went to Waco by accident or just by random, <laughs> random chance? No, no, I don't think so. Three, three weeks before the 30th anniversary of the, uh, the massacre by the ATF, uh, by Janet Reno, by Bill Clinton, where they gas burned and bulldozed. A whole bunch of people, they killed them and you know, buried them in the ground there. I don't even know if the bodies have been extracted. They could be still there for all I know. That's, uh, that's what, that is the greatest government atrocity probably since the Civil War, uh, which was an atrocity itself. But you know, it was started by Democrats, so what do you expect? Oh, gee, I didn't hear that before. Yeah, the Confederacy, they were Democrats. Okay? The Democrat Party was the Confederacy. That's what happened. Now, granted, the, states were, the southern states were being abysmally treated by the northern states. They were. They were being taxed and uh, discriminated and having their industry cut off and, and kind of you know, blocked from the markets of Europe. I mean, it's terrible treatment. You know, I mean, they had to, but the Civil War was not the way to settle it. Anyway, and the South did have slavery, and that was wrong, too. How many people uh, owned slaves? What, 5%, 8%? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so in those days, we have the, the 99% you know, with 1% that owned everything, right? So in those days, it would have been the 92%. <laughs> okay, fine. All right. So, uh, more news. Uh, Ron DeSantis declares he won't be Trump's vice presidential uh, running mate. I told you. I told you. I told you a month ago. It's not going to happen. Ron DeSantis wants to be president or nothing. Now, the only person who might run as VP, although I, I, I'm sort of like 50-40 you know, against it, would be Matt Gates. Matt Gates and, and Ron DeSantis get along. Matt Gates might be you know, running mate with the uh, supposition that he'll be president one day. That's possible. But we don't have enough evidence yet. Now, I still think Carrie Lake, uh, unless she wins the governorship, which she should because she won the election. Right? Now, if Carrie Lake becomes governor of Arizona, that leaves other folks who might be. Uh, and I think we most likely the next choice would be Christine Ohm. 
the governor of South Dakota because Kristi Noem is the only governor that did not lock down anything, anytime for any reason. She was, she actually was better than Trump on, on COVID, far better. Uh, that'd be a good reason to have her in the administration. Besides that, she's really good. She's a really good governor, you know, so she'd make a you know, pretty good vice president and probably pretty good president. So we'll see. Anyway, um, is, it gonna, is he selecting a woman? Uh, possibly. Because she's a woman? No. <laughs> There's some really good candidates out there. Uh, who'd be the good vice president for Trump? I just think that Carrie Lake could be the best just because she got so screwed over by Arizona. She's mad. Mad people make for, for interesting politicians. Um, so who else would be good? Well, I haven't really thought about it, but I'll, I'll come up with some names for you of uh, people that uh, could run with Trump and support him and do what he does. Probably some of the cabinet members from the, uh, the original. I mean, who, who are the biggest Trump backers out there? <laughs> and don't say Jeff Sessions. Okay, we'll figure it out. Anyway, DeSantis is not going to be Trump's vice president. That that was never going to happen. So so don't get excited. Okay, I got Belarus. I've covered that. Um, something I'm thinking about. Here's a question for Jonathan. I want to ask him in the next hour. The uh, the legal standard right now for conviction is beyond a reasonable doubt, and that made sense back in the 17 and 1800s when they didn't have video cameras, they didn't have DNA, uh, they didn't have uh, the proof that we, you know, the forensics, the fingerprints, they didn't have anything we had. So really all you had was eyewitness testimony. And so you could never be absolutely positive because people's memories aren't perfect. They fade, you know, stuff happens. But I'm thinking these days, you know, especially for those of you that want the death penalty, and I don't, and the biggest reason is because too many people are wrongly convicted and executed. I mean, we execute, you know, a certain percentage of honest people. We can't have that, okay? You can't. You cannot execute. I don't care how many guilty people, you know, stay in jail for however long uh, or, or even, you know, don't get convicted. You cannot kill innocent people. That's like the worst thing you can do. So that's why the due process clause and all the other clauses of the Constitution are designed so that you don't kill the honest people, okay? You don't execute them because uh, you can't, you can't uh, repeal a, a death sentence. Once you're killed, you can't get your life back because it's gone. Whereas if you spend 10 years in jail and they find out, oops, sorry, we goofed, you know, the, someone confessed that they actually did it and that we proved it. So now you're out. Okay. So you may lose 10 years, but you haven't, you haven't sorry, too loud there, but you haven't lost the whole rest of your life. Okay. So that's interesting, uh, I think. All right. So my new standard, I want to talk to Jonathan about that. So the, the highest standard is beyond a reasonable doubt. Okay. So my new standard is beyond any doubt. Can we, especially in death penalty cases, can we go to a new legal standard, which is beyond any doubt? You've got them on videotape. You've got their DNA. You know, you've, you've got it, uh, it. It's there. Their facial recognition. It's them. Okay. We've proven it. Is there a possibility for a legal standard of beyond any doubt? And can a jury give that? You know, do you find beyond a reasonable doubt? Yes. Do you find beyond any doubt? No. Okay, fine. They're still convicted, but it might be a lesser sentence. You know, do you find beyond any doubt? Yes, we do. Okay, fine. Life imprisonment, no possibility of parole. You're going to die in prison, okay, or execution. Again, I'm not a death, death penalty fan. But because of the technology and the video and things we have, now, can those be doctored and changed? You know, elections are stolen. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm proposing this. It's an idea that we have a new legal standard, be, you know, guilty beyond any doubt. You know, I mean, you, you catch the person that kills a bunch of school kids, you know, still with the gun walking out of the school. Yeah, I think that's beyond any doubt. So I, I, don't, uh, I don't see why we can't uh, have a new legal standard. Uh, covered, oh, yeah, Carrie Lake won her court challenge. I'm not sure the details. I'm going to check those out as well. Um, those are on, a, on an article. And the last thing is i got a couple of bills I'll be working on. Uh, this is with the help of some other folks who have inspired them. Uh, one of them is a bill to get all drug advertising off the media, all of it. 
Prescription, non-prescription, the whole bit. Stop advertising drugs. There's only two countries in the world that allow drugs to be advertised. Um, that would be New Zealand and guess who? The United States because Big Pharma you know, controls Congress. I should ask uh, Marco. Marco, do you guys have any uh, drug advertising, uh, even non-prescription? I'd be curious. Well, I, see, I don't mind non-prescription stuff being advertised. I don't care about that um, as much. Well, I'll see what the bill says. But if I remember when we, I was working on the bill, uh, Judy Mikovits is one of the folks I was working on the bill with and one of our regular listeners, whose name I won't mention because she's just a regular listener, not a public figure. So I tend to be very protective of, uh, of non-public figures. But anyway, uh, in fact, it's, it's the woman who was the, 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 the you know, regular listener that came up with the idea. And I told Judy, she's like, yeah, let's do it. Well, she actually mentioned it herself on one show. I said, well, I got someone that wants to write, write a bill with you. So I actually combined a regular listener with Judy Mikovits and they worked on a bill together on the show. Again, breaking new ground, breaking history, making history, doing the things we do here. So that would be interesting. So that's, that's one bill is to get rid of all drug advertising. Uh, okay, there. okay, there we go. So uh, Marco says, not, this is from the Netherlands. He says, not a lot of drug advertising, certainly not for things like oxycodone. Okay, I think it's spelled C-O-D-O-N-E, oxycodone, but I could be wrong. It's pronounced oxycodone for some reason. So it's actually, uh, but he speaks Dutch. So, you know, the English translation's never going to be as exact, but I think that's how it's spelled. Oxycodone and hydrocodone. Those are two very powerful opiate uh, painkillers that actually work really well. I know, because after open heart surgery, that's what they gave me was hydrocodone. Of course, they gave me way too much. And I, I said, I gave them like, you know, two thirds of it back. I said, I don't need this. Oh, but you can take all these. No, I can't. You people are nuts. This is way too much. Anyway, so uh, apparently a lot of people don't do that. <laughs> a lot of other people said, hey, you got the, you got the extra hydrocodone? Can I have it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a drug pusher. I'm, I'm not going to pass out illegal prescription drugs to people just because you want it for your high. Okay. And these are, people that I, these are like people I would not have expected to have asked me. There we go. It says, uh, you know what I mean? It says, it's not like I need you know, the spelling of medicine every day. Yeah, oh, no, absolutely. I understand. I was just explaining. Um, that, uh, that the Dutch to English is going to be a tough translation, especially uh, on drugs and complex, you know, medicine words and things like that. Oh, yeah, I understand. I'm talking directly to Marco in the Netherlands. So when you're catching this on the podcast, you're wondering, who's he talking to? No, it's a real person. They're on live chat. But you don't get live chat, you know, when you're on the uh, uh, when you're listening to a podcast because it's not live. Oh, Piaggi's going to check in on live chat. Well, this should be interesting. Okay. Well, we, we, we're going all over the place. All right. So. What's a good time now? Now 7.26. This is not a bad, bad time to do this. Let me take a quick break here for a couple minutes. And what I will do when I come back is go over Trump's 10 points to dismantle the deep state. So this would be, uh, let me just write, I'm starting to write down my times. It's making my show notes easier to do. Um, I got to get my notebook out here. But anyway, tons of, did you guys see the speech or, or hear the speech by Trump? It was really an amazing speech. Uh, a friend of mine observed uh, the same thing that Dick Morris later told me uh, when I, when I, when I caught up with his show, that Trump has mellowed a little bit. He's not as strident. He's not using the stupid insults that he did before. He's sounding more presidential, for, for, for uh, lack of a better term. Uh, he still went after DeSantis a little bit too much, and he talked about his lawsuits a bit too much. People don't care about that. They really don't. He needs to get away from the lawsuits. What he needs to talk about is the things that we want done. Um, we want the government out of education. We want uh, the jobs back. We want our prosperity. We want to get rid of the Federal Reserve. We want to have uh, inflation done away with by stopping Congress from borrowing money. You know, those are the things that we want. Those are the things that when you start talking about that, of course, people started applauding. And when he's talking about his lawsuits in New York, people were nodding off. Let's see what we got here. Uh, Pianchi believes in the death penalty. Okay, that's fair enough. I don't. And the reason, I, uh, not that I don't think, uh, you know, murder should be killed. That's not, that's not my objection. My objection to the death penalty is our legal system is so flawed that innocent people get executed. 
and you can't have that. You just can't. I'd rather see people in jail, you know, for, for life. Or, or we should have a new sense. Call it death, and, death by imprisonment. It's not life in prison. It's death in prison. You're standing there until you're dead. You know, without any great medical care other than basic stuff. I mean, you know, why would you keep somebody alive who's condemned to death? <laughs> yeah. Why would, would, you, would you give heart surgery to somebody that's condemned to death? No, of course not. You let them die. You know, that's just, uh, just like people do when they don't have enough insurance and money. You know, anyway. All right. So let's, it's now 728. This is a good time to take a quick break. Jonathan joins us at um, the top of the hour. And Dorothy Diana with our, our, our sex and sensuality report. She's only going to be here for half an hour this week. She's got something else to do. So I'm, I'm grateful to have her for the time that I do. So let me put my date down here. 327, And so we're taking our first break at 728. That's the central, so central time here at 7.28 in the morning, and I will be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. This is Greg Penglis, creator of Action Radio for my town, Milton, Florida. Milton, it's where I live. It's where you can live too. It's where you can bring a new business, especially a business that helps our downtown historic district. We have everything in Milton. We have the Blackwater River. We have the Imogene Theater, built in 1912 and still booking national acts. We have Scoop's Ice Cream. We have Boomerang's Restaurant where I get my favorite Thai chicken pizza. We have an outdoor stage for music acts and free concerts by the river. 
The Blackwater Bistro will keep you in steak and seafood indefinitely. We have brew pubs creating great craft beers and giving us all a place to relax and talk. But it's more than just stuff and food and buildings. It's people. Remember the show Cheers where everybody knows your name? It's that kind of place. So if you are tired of the cities, of the traffic, the frenetic pace of life that doesn't seem to get you anywhere, if you want a small city that has incredible potential, that combines the best of historic buildings and modern, fun, small retail shops and restaurants, and a great waterfront, plus who knows what for the future, take a look at historic Milton, Florida, in the Panhandle, near Pensacola, and the world's greatest beaches on the Emerald Coast of the Gulf of Mexico. Milton is going through a renaissance. Maybe you can be part of making it happen. helps if I unmute my microphone. <laughs> I've been busy running around here for a couple of minutes. That's okay. All right. So we've got uh, interesting. So just to catch you up on live chat, um, Marco says in, in the Netherlands, we don't have the death penalty, but if you see how much it costs to keep someone in prison, yeah, it actually costs more uh, in the United States to execute somebody than it does to uh, keep them in prison uh, for their, their natural life. Um, and the reason is because of all the court appeals. So if you just lock people up uh, and, and get a certain amount of appeals, but then, of course, like I say, it always comes down to you never want to have an innocent person in jail. And so uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, you know, Devil's Island. <laughs> you, you put the you know, and this is why I say we need another criteria, which another uh, category beyond death, uh, beyond a reason, or, or guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. I think we should have guilty beyond any doubt because there are certain cases where you actually do know, you know, you know where you know that somebody actually did it because they're walking out of the school with the gun. Um, and Panky says, in 35 years, black males murdered 324,000 other black males. In the urban areas, they run wild with their crimes, shoot as many as 4,875 with 745 murders. I believe in the old Bible things. Okay. And then Panky says, that's just one city. So, yeah, we need to talk about that. Um, now, stopping the murder rate, that's a different thing. You know, I understand that. Um, but, uh, you know, murdering the murderers, I don't know. Uh, apparently, that's not deterring people, probably because they're not being convicted and they're not being uh, put away. And I wonder, I don't know if anybody's ever done a psychological profile on this of, of asking uh, or analyzing murders. You know, do they fear execution uh, more than life imprisonment or do they fear life imprisonment and a miserable life more than execution, which is actually pretty quick? Uh, again, the biggest thing is you got to make sure you have people beyond any doubt. If you're going to execute, some, I don't mind executing people if they raise the legal standard to beyond any doubt. You know, I don't mind doing that. If it's beyond a reasonable doubt, no. That, the limit on that, I would say, is, is life in prison without parole because you can still get out you know, if they can overturn uh, and get new evidence or, or evidence that was withheld by the prosecution, in other words, exculpatory. Um, but as far as – I'll talk to Jonathan about Pianki asked Jonathan when he comes on about a, a standard of death beyond uh, any doubt. I think it would be interesting. We have a lot of things we're going to talk about. He's got news too. All right, so – I found this in Newsmax, and then I went to the, directly to the source, which is the Trump campaign. So Trump campaign, which is Trump Make America Great 2024, uh, has the title of one of their, their news items, Agenda 47, President Trump's plan to dismantle the deep state and return power to the American people. It was sent out March 21st. 
his speech was Saturday, which was March 25th, so four days later. And this is Mar-a-Lago, Florida. President Donald Trump announced a bold plan to return power back to the American people by cleaning out the deep state, uh, firing rogue bureaucrats and career politicians, and targeting government corruption. Uh, that's kind of what we're doing here at Action Radio. <laughs> that's, our, that's our mission here. Uh, unfortunately, this is blocking live chat, so uh, Pianchi and Marco, you guys can, can chat with each other for a bit here. Uh, I'll catch up on, um, on live chat in, in just a little bit, but I can't, I can't read an article and check live chat at the same time. All right, so first, uh, it says here, Mar- President Trump, he also says that this plan, this is directly from Trump's 2024 website. This plan will also end the ongoing weaponization of the justice system that targets its political enemies simply because of their political or religious beliefs. That's going to work both ways, too. If you ever get a Republican that does the same thing to Democrats that the Democrats are doing to Republicans, that's no good either. You know, you, you can't be them. Uh, on the other hand, you can use their dirty tactics if it, uh, uh, instead of being a wimp. <laughs> so it depends on the situation. All right. President Trump's plan to shatter the deep state and return power to the people. He says, I will shatter the deep state and restore the government that is controlled by the people. Well, the best way to do that, President Trump, is to work with us here at Action Radio. And I'm serious about that. Nobody has the ideas we have. There is nobody circulating, that I know of, a vaccine product liability bill, except us. There is nobody circulating, that I know of, a big tech um, liability bill that not only uh, uh, that, uh, that, um, makes their liability conditional uh, their immunity conditional for, for what people post on not touching anything anybody posts. We're the only ones. We're the only people with a constitutional amendment to end the power of Congress to borrow money. We're the only people with a bill that would disarm 287,000 federal bureaucrats that have no constitutional authority um, to, uh, to carry guns. We're the only ones that are proposing that no withholding tax be collected during the time people are earning the standard deduction. We're the only ones proposing that all juries receive a mandatory uh, Miranda-type instruction that they can nullify the case, that they can judge the laws in the case, they can judge the constitutionality of the laws. We're the only ones, and I could go on all day. We're the only ones. We're it, which is kind of sad, but it's kind of special of us, too. You know, so we do things that no one else does. So if you want to help us, you know, make sure that we're not the only ones sharing this stuff. You share it, too. Back to Trump. He says, clean up the deep state. President Trump has announced a 10-point plan to dismantle the deep state and reclaim our democracy from Washington corruption. Okay, you got to get rid of the word democracy, Trump. Trump, I'm talking to you directly. President Trump, never use the word democracy. We are not a democracy. We are a republic, a republic defined by a separation of powers between the state and the federal governments, defined by a constitution from the states, which limits the powers of the federal government, and defined by individual rights, which you don't have in a democracy. Democracies don't have individual rights. They have whatever the majority wants. And if the majority wants individual rights, that's great, until the majority doesn't want individual rights. And the majority, we have seen, will happily take away your individual rights if they get free. You know, look, look, at, uh, look at welfare. Oh, yeah, we'll give up your guns. We'll give, you, we'll give you welfare if you give up your guns. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Then we'll take everybody else's guns, too. Oh, that's fine. No, it's not. <laughs> that's a democracy compared to a republic. All right. Point number one. On day one, reissue 2020 executive order restoring the president's authority to fire rogue bureaucrats. Now, people think that's a platitude. It's not. He actually has a plan. It's called Schedule F. Okay, I did a show on Schedule F. I know. You know, so Schedule F was an executive order that Trump had ready to go that Brandon rescinded day one because his handlers told him to that would have made some 50,000 federal employees uh, no longer civil service but subject to, you know, 
regular employee rules of being fired. Okay? I would do that for the entire government. I would get rid of the entire civil service uh, institution. See, see, Trump's tinkering when he should be making bold steps. Yeah, Schedule F's pretty good, but only covering 50,000 federal employees? No, you need to cover all of them. You need to turn the entire federal workforce into a regular-style corporate workforce where they can be hired and fired. Now, they, now if, if that were the case, uh, I wouldn't have, be, have such an objection to federal unions. But as long as unions work with politicians uh, to get all kinds of perks and benefits for their, uh, their union members so they will vote, then you can't have that either. So the second thing to do after he puts everybody on um, want to form private unions, that's different. If government employees want to form private unions and there's no civil service protection, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll grant them that. But as long as they have civil service protection, they can't form unions because they reinforce each other too much and you can't fire people. Well, if you can't fire people, you can't control the government. All right. So the the president is actually uh, civil service is actually in violation of the Constitution because Article two says the president is in charge of the executive. I'll read it to you. Let me pull up my pocket Constitution here, which I tend to get to at least once or twice a show. Um, Article two, the executive power shall be vested in a president of the United States of America. Well, executive power includes the power to hire and fire. Well, if the president, president can't fire people, then he's not the executive. He doesn't have the executive power. <laughs> okay? That's one of the most important powers there is if you're an executive, to hire and fire people. So civil service is actually unconstitutional. I didn't think of that until just now, but that's what we do here on the show. Okay. And then it says each shall appoint, that's each president shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors. Okay, no, each state shall. I'm sorry, that's different. All right. But the president, Article 2 is the executive power, shall be vested in a president. The legislative power is invested in the Congress. So the Congress has all the power to make laws and, and cancel laws. It's all, in the, it's all there. President can veto a bill, um, but uh, president cannot make a law. Okay? The creation of law is exclusively the, the purview of the legislature and not the Supreme Court. The executive is purely under the president. And the third, Article 3, uh, which, is the, which is the courts, uh, say very specifically, uh, it says all cases arising under law and equity Go to the Supreme Court. This is the judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior courts as the Congress may from time to time create or ordain and establish, it says. All right. So the Congress is actually in charge of the courts. <laughs> okay. But, so the Congress is more powerful than the court because the Congress can cancel courts. The courts can't cancel Congress. And that's a good thing. You don't want the courts to have that much power. We'll talk about judicial review another time. So point number one, on day one, reissue the 2020 executive order, which was, you can look it up, schedule F. Look up Schedule F to fire not just rogue bureaucrats. He should be able to fire anybody. So they need to expand Schedule F to include everybody. All right, Calman's on the line here too. We got three people online. Live chat's growing. This is great. Pianchi and Calman are talking. Let me go over the debate. Pianchi, liberal and bleeding hearts want to allow criminals to go free and take away weapons from lawful citizens. Okay, so here's the thing too. Anytime a leftist says they want gun control because lives are in danger, say, well, how come you're letting all the criminals go? I said, if you want to solve crime, you can't solve crime by affecting law-abiding people. So if you have a law that affects law-abiding people, that's, that's not allowed. That's, that's against the Constitution. Calman says, I agree uh, about what you're saying with education lagging severely in urban metropolitan cities. That's by design, by the way. That's called racism. Right? How do they expect poverty uh, with no applicable skills into the future? Manufacturing coming home or maybe a more vocational-centric approach? Yeah, that's, that's called jobs. Yep. These guys are, actually, read live chat. These guys are going back and forth. It's kind of interesting. All right, so Calman, who's been on the show, Pianchi, who's on the show all the time, and uh, Marco, 
uh, Cyanide77 over in the Netherlands who hasn't called in our Skype line because he's at work. <laughs> so, you know, at least he's there typing. All right. Point number two, overhaul federal departments and agencies, firing all the corrupt actors in our national security and intelligence apparatus. Okay. So Schedule F is really – the reason Schedule F is the point one is to be able to fire uh, anybody and put them all under uh, – get them all out of civil service. Uh, it's just for that reason, uh, to be able to fire specific folks like national security and intelligence. That would be the FBI, KGB, the CIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, all the people that are internally working against Trump. So Trump had, an, you know, remember when Chuck Schumer said, you better not go against the intelligence agencies. You know, there, there are 17 of them, and they have more ways to, you know, basically screw you over than anything else. And I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. Article 2, the president's in charge of all the intelligence agencies. So, again, it comes back to the basic hire and fire. So Trump needs, you know, article uh, point one of this to be able to fire everybody. Uh, he needs to be able to fire the national security. He needs to arrest the people. Merrick Garland and Chris Ray need to be up on charges uh, of direction, overthrowing the government, a coup, treason, you name it. They should never see the light of day again. They need to be in jail for the rest of their lives. Number three, fundamentally reform the FISA courts, ensuring that corruption is rooted out. FISA. Uh, is the uh, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA. We call it FISA. It should be FISA, <laughs> FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. What that says is that if I, I'm going to paraphrase here because I haven't read it in a while. What that is for um, the fact that American citizens you know, are protected from spying by intelligence agencies like the CIA, it's okay to spy on foreign folks. I mean, that's what they're for. The CIA is supposed to fire on foreign people. It's up to those nations to protect their people from us, you know, and which they do. And it's up to us to spy on them. And they're spying on us too. Don't think it doesn't work both ways. You don't think Israel has spies on us? Of course they do. <laughs> do we have spies on them? Absolutely. Especially during the Obama administration because Obama hates Israel. But that's another story too. All right. So you want to reform the FISA courts so they don't just rubber stamp all the, uh, what they call unmasking. So in other words, if you want to spy on foreign citizens, uh, that's okay. If you want to spy on American citizens that are connected to foreign citizens, they go through a procedure which is called unmasking. In other words, they identify the Americans that are with the foreigners they're spying on. Okay? That's a very specific procedure. Now, what happened was that the actual goal of the intelligence agency was to spy on Americans, so they found some convenient foreigner and said, we're really spying on the foreigner. And we need to unmask this American because they're dealing with the foreigner. When in actual fact, the goal all along was to spy on the American. And the FISA courts should be able to discern which is which and disallow unmasking, in other words, identifying by name and everything else, um, American citizens because they're not supposed to spy on American citizens. So the unmaskings used to be extremely rare because you're not supposed to spy on Americans. Nowadays, it happens all the time. <laughs> How do you, I think they spied on the Trump administration. They did it by FISA courts and unmasking, you know, Trump officials uh, when they should never have done anything of the kind. Number four, establish a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to declassify and publish all documents on deep state spying, censorship, and abuses of power. That one's fairly self-explanatory. And so that should not be a problem for you to discern. Um, although a Truth and Reconciliation Commission, it's kind of an interesting title. You have to have a, a government commission called Truth. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. So. I think they could handle that with uh, number, point number one, uh, fire, and actually they should arrest any bureaucrat, any FBI or intelligence person that dealt directly with um, social media and big tech, you know, without the consent of uh, their superiors in the federal government all the way up to Trump. 
yeah, they should be not only fired, but possibly uh, uh, brought up on, on charges of misconduct and who knows what else. I don't know all the bureaucrat crimes. Number five, launch a major crackdown on government leakers who collude with the media to create false narratives, pressing criminal charges when appropriate. Okay, so what they're, not, they're not saying that everybody who leaks to the press gets arrested because that's not, that's not true. You need, you need whistleblowers to leak when you have a corrupt administration like, you know, Brandon, who's really not president. So, but uh, you certainly want to crack down on leakers because the deep state leaked everything Trump was doing, including his private, personal, classified phone calls with foreign leaders. And they did that because they wanted to stop him. They had more allegiance to the deep state than they did to uh, the United States and the Trump administration. So what we really need to do, what we really need to do uh, is to make one of these points, those that whose allegiance is not to the administration they're serving or to the Constitution or the people of the United States, they need to go just for that. Are they more, are they more loyal to their party? Are they more loyal to um, you know, the, the deep state, the corruption, the, the internal secret government? If that's the case, they need to go. Because we need to get everybody who's more loyal to the, to the secret government, the deep state, than to the lawful president. Number six, make every inspector general's office independent from the departments they oversee so they do not become protectors of the deep state. Well, see, I thought that was the case now, but apparently it's not. So if an inspector general, if the person that's inspecting you is your lunch buddy, then they can't inspect you because you're, they're, they're, it's, it's too corrupt. So you need to have completely separate departments. So what I would do is I would have the inspector general of Veterans Affairs inspect the EPA. I would have the inspector general of the EPA uh, inspect Health and Human Services. I would have Health and Human Services uh, inspect uh, the FBI and the Justice Department. <laughs> I'd actually have them, you know, across the sign, have them inspecting others' departments. That'd be interesting. All right. Number seven, establish an independent auditing system to continually monitor our intelligence agencies to ensure that they are not spying on our citizens or, let me move this over a little bit, or running disinformation campaigns against the American people. Um, most of that should already be handled by previous sections of this bill. However, the important part is it should be established an independent auditing system I would just say to ensure that, they're, that intelligence agencies are not spying on American citizens because they're not allowed to do that. Law enforcement can because that's their job. And that's called investigating. <laughs> but spying, recording phone calls, you know, doing invasions of privacy and things the intelligence agencies are doing, no. They should be arrested for that. Number eight, continue Trump administration efforts to move parts of the federal bureaucracy outside of, Washington's, uh, outside of the Washington swamp. Just like President Trump moved, moved the Bureau of Land Management to Colorado. This is probably one of the best provisions in all of this. Moving the federal government out of D.C. It could be moved anywhere. <laughs> you know, in fact, I, we talked about this earlier on the show. Uh, it looks like Calman and Pianchi are still sort of held off discussing, but that's okay. We've got three people. We've got me on, on uh, live chat because I have to. We've got uh, Calman, we've got Pianchi, and we've got uh, Marco as Cyanide 77, which is kind of weird to say on the radio. All right, so let's talk about this, this one here, moving the, uh, uh, the parts of the federal bureaucracy. Now, I've talked about this before. I think it's a great idea. Uh, I wanted to move the government to Fairbanks, Alaska, <laughs> because it's far enough away, and it's freaking cold in the winter. If you want to serve the government and you're willing to sit there in 60 below zero weather in the wintertime, great. You can serve in the federal government. You know, but uh, that's why I'd move, I'd move places everywhere. Let's move, uh, let's, let's move the EPA to Guam. I don't see why we can't use the territories, right? Let's move the Justice Department. What's the hottest place in the country? Death Valley. Let's move the Justice Department to Death Valley. That is, well, outside the National Park, okay? 
so that that would be a thing to do. Where else can we move different? And I think the Pentagon should stay in Washington. So some of the the, the, the the most critical functions of government and the military, that's really what the federal government is, is the military. That's what it's supposed to be. Military and highways uh, and, and patents and a few other things. That's really what the federal government's supposed to do. So I would keep in Washington, I keep the White House, I keep the Congress, and I keep the Supreme Court, the three main branches of government. I keep them there. I keep the Pentagon there. Uh, I keep the Library of Congress there. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Everything else can be moved somewhere else. I put the Department of Justice in um, near De- as close to Death Valley, outside the National Park of Death Valley as possible. So it's really hot there. Uh, I would put, uh, who else is pretty miserable? Department of Education should be abolished. So I don't care about them. EPA, now let's put the EPA in Fairbanks because Alaska's got all kinds of critters and things. So they have to, So the EPA goes to Fairbanks. The Department of Justice goes to uh, Death Valley. Uh, we need a mountaintop. We need to put somebody on a mountain. Who should put up there? Uh, well, I think the land management's already in Colorado. What's a useless agency? Health and Human Services. Let's put them on a mountaintop somewhere. <laughs> you know, but at the base of... Uh, I don't know, um, Mount Whitney in California, because that's the tallest continental mountain. It's 14,000 feet. Let's put them there. <laughs> you know, so we, we can do this all day. This is fun. You know, we, we, should, we should do a whole show on where we would move, move various agencies to. But uh, that's a good idea. And hopefully they would get smaller and just abolish them. But that's a good thing to do. Okay, up to, it says up to 100,000 government positions could be moved out of Washington. Well, that's me as a start. What do we have, like a million employees in the federal government? So you take out the military. How many now military? All right, this is for something for our guys. Calman, Pianchi, if you could look up really quickly, how many non-military people make up the federal government? I'd be curious. All right, ban federal bureaucrats from taking jobs at companies that deal, they deal with and regulate, such as Big Pharma. Yes, absolutely. If you work in any kind of management position in a regulatory agency, you should be banned for life from getting a job in the, in the companies that you regulated as a bureaucrat, banned for life. So if you work in the FDA, if you work in the, um, the NIH under Dr. Fascist, if you work in the CDC, if you work for any of those health bureaucracies, you cannot work for any big pharma company. You know, you can go work in farming. <laughs> you know, you can go work, at, go work in agriculture, go work in business, go work in uh, high tech, go work in something. But you can't work in, you can't work in anything to do with health anymore. That's the price. That's the price of, of being a public servant and having all that protection. Oh, yeah. So I was going to do, um, what is it? Uh, oh, yeah. So we're going to have to repeal. I'm going to add one. I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to give him another one. So repeal union EO JFK. I'll explain that in a second. I just want to write that down. I have my little code here. So 100,000 moved out of Washington. I would move the whole federal government out of Washington, except the Pentagon, the White House, the Congress, the, the Capitol building, uh, the Supreme Court, and the Library of Congress. I'd move them all out. Other than that, the lobbies can go with them. All right, number nine. Number nine, ban February. Okay, I've already said that one. So number 10, the last one, push for a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on members of Congress. No, I disagree with that. It is a total waste of time. Uh, what we need are free and fair elections. Okay. Uh, the reason I think a lot of these people are there is because they cheat. I think that uh, you'd be better served, we'd be better served, if people who run for office and serve in office are not allowed to be in a political party. Because the political parties take their representation away from the people. Because if you're in Congress and you want a committee chair, you don't go to the people for that. You go to your political party and hope that it's a majority party. Well, that should be illegal. All right. If you want to advance in your career, if you want to get campaign funds, if you want to do anything, 
uh, as a member of Congress, you go to your political party. Well, that's wrong because if you're if you're dependent on your political party for your career, then you you can't represent your constituents. So rather than have a have a term limit uh, constitutional amendment, trading one corrupt politician for another over a shorter time span, as opposed to keeping the same corrupt politician in for a longer time span, I don't see any difference. No. You ban them belonging to parties. Now, I, I, would, I wouldn't say that you ban parties, but political parties can exist. It's a free country. People have the right to, to form political parties, form associations, spend millions of dollars stupidly, and do whatever else they want to do. But you can't be a member of a political party and serve in Congress because that's a conflict of interest because the majority party gets all the committee chairs. Well, that's not right. We're, we're, you know, where's, where's your republic? Where's your republic? If the committee chairs are determined by a political party, by majority vote, that's a democracy, and a democracy is illegal in the United States. Look up Article 4, Section 4. Okay? So the better thing to do would be to ban political party membership while people are serving in office and while they're running for office. After office, they can serve. They can be in a party. Before they run for office, they can be in a party. Who cares? It's free country. Do what you want. Now, what I would do, I would add 11. I would add a number 11 to this, and my number 11 would be to repeal the executive order that JFK, that John Kennedy wrote, uh, which created, which allowed for uh, unionization of federal workers. Okay, one of the most important things that we can do is not only get rid of civil service and have uh, all federal employees treated like corporate employees, where they can be hired and fired. Okay, but you have to get rid of the executive order that allowed them to unionize. So this is something I didn't know until I looked it up. But apparently, there is no uh, law creating federal uh, unions. It simply was an executive order. Well, Trump could repeal that just as easily as uh, John Kennedy wrote it. <laughs> you know, it's okay. This is gone. And then no more federal. See, you, federal workers should not be able to unionize, especially with civil service protection. But they shouldn't be able to unionize anyway, protection of, of Congress and other folks. You know, and it's, it's, not a, it's not a traditional employee-employer relationship. So the people that, uh, that work in the federal government you know, work for us. So we should be able to hire and fire them. Well, elections are cumbersome for all the employees. So we have the executives able to hire and fire them. They can't unionize, you know, because they can't, because if they unionize, what, what, what are they using for union funds? Tax dollars. All right. What are they using for the union dues? Tax dollars. So unions are getting rich off taxpayer money. They're not getting rich off their own money because we pay them. We pay the federal government workers. So the fact that they're paid by tax dollars instead of private dollars means they can't form a private union, a government union. And here's what they say. Because government unions are huge, the politicians say, great, we want all the votes of your union members. And then the union members say to the politicians, well, you better give us a great contract. Why do you think workers have better treatment working for the federal government than they do working privately? Well, the reason is because the, the, the Congress says, we'll give you the best employee contracts in the world if your members will vote for me. Well, that's, that's corruption. That's graft. That's a, that's a quid pro quo, as they say. That's an illegal arrangement. They should not be able to make a deal for votes by giving union members more tax dollars on the job and protecting them artificially compared to everybody else. It's pretty simple. Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> I got a little bit more to say. We've got Jonathan who's going to join us in a couple of minutes, and I get to shut up, which is good because I've been talking for an hour. You try it sometimes. It's not easy talking for an hour. It's just not. Uh, here we go. What have we got here? Now, Pianchi says each state should appoint one judge for the Supreme Court. Perfect way to break a tie. 
to a certain term. No, I disagree. The court should hear the arguments and send them back to the states for a final disposition. That's, that's a possibility, by either agreeing or sending back to the, the states to go over. I actually have, uh, Pianchi, if you look on uh, writeyourlaws.com, uh, go to all proposed laws, we actually have a bill there that creates Supreme Court juries. So in other words, a jury. Now, now the jury, now here's an idea for you to think about. The Supreme Court jury could be one member from every state. That might be interesting. Uh, and, uh, and have them require uh, like a 60-40 vote. So you have 100 jurors on the Supreme Court jury, uh, and they have to, uh, in order for a Supreme Court opinion to be affirmed, it requires like a, maybe like a two-thirds vote, 66. Don't make a majority vote. Nothing will get done. But today, some to consider. Look at our Supreme Court jury bill and see if rather than have 50 Supreme Court judges, not justices, the Congress says, just, says judges, uh, but have a Supreme Court jury of perhaps 100 people or 50 people, one per one person. The ship, Jackie says there should be term limits for a member of Congress. I already disagree with that. Uh, the salary should be cut in half and their pension should begin like everyone else. No, what you do is you make it comparable. Uh, what would be comparable to serving in Congress? Like a middle management job? I don't know. Uh, I don't mind the salary at 150000 But what I wouldn't do is give them any, um, any special benefits. So they should pay for the health benefits like other people do. They should have a 401k for retirement if they want. They should have nothing special. In fact, Pianchi, we have a bill for that too. Uh, it's called the Just Like the Rest of Us Act. So go to writeyourlaws.com, go to all proposed laws, and look in the search window for Just Like the Rest of Us. That's a law that equalizes uh, the salaries and benefits of Congress to a comparable position in the private sector. So we're pretty much there. Uh, Oh, here you go. He says the, the lame excuse that Congress members need time to learn the ropes is ridiculous. They should know their trade before coming to office. Absolutely. Um, but they certainly shouldn't, they shouldn't have the, they should not be trained for serving in Congress from their party, which is what happens. Well, actually, the lobbyists, the lobbyists now train members of Congress. Um, yeah. Bianchi wants, see, it would, it would be unwieldy. See, if you, have, if you have too many members that are judges, they become like a legislature. So you don't want that. So I want, I want six – see, the original number of Supreme Court judges was six. And the reason was because that way every decision was two-thirds. See, uh, see, if you have a 3-3 three, three tie, then nothing gets decided. So it has to be, it has to be uh, um, uh, four to two. So if you have six judges on the court, a decision in the affirmative or the negative has to be four to two. Well, that's a two-thirds majority. That's a pretty good deal. So the ideal number of Supreme Court judges is six. Not 200. All right, Jonathan, I'm expecting any time now. We'll see when he shows up, and then I'll, I'll get him on, and, uh, and away we go. I read this article. Oh, is it, well, actually, there's a little bit more of a blurb to it. Um, I should also check my messages real quick, see if Jonathan tried to contact me. This is why I need a producer. <laughs> uh, ooh, here we go. Dorothy's got an interesting topic. So let me give her a, a thumbs up. That, that sounds – oh, boy, I'll tell you. All the fun things we talk about on this show – Jonathan, he's got uh, a big message that I don't have time to read, <laughs> so hopefully he'll call in soon. All right, so just to give you the last of the blurb from the Trump campaign, he says, fire rogue bureaucrats and career politicians. President Trump's plan will ensure that federal bureaucrats and politicians are held accountable to the American people. Yeah, fire the rasp. He says, currently removing corrupt or poor-performing federal workers is time-consuming and cumbersome. 
It's actually almost impossible. Firing underperforming employees takes a year or longer. Yeah, it should take 30 seconds. Uh, it is often completely impossible. He says, one study found that over a 10-year period, federal employees were fired at a rate of less than one in 1,000 per year. Jonathan's online. He can probably confirm that. So this is, this is from Trump's. So, Jonathan, we're, I'm going from Trump's uh, um, 10 points, uh, just what we talked about uh, that I was going to talk about this morning. One study found that over a 10-year period, federal employees were fired at a rate of less than one per thousand. Oh, that does, uh, you can't tell me that 999 out of 1,000 federal bureaucrats are performing you know, up to par. I don't believe it. And the last thing I'll read, uh, additionally, Congress term limits are necessary to curb the rise of career politicians. The re-election rate of House, for House members is 94%, and over the past half century has not fallen below 80%. The re-election rate for Senate in 2022 was 100% and has not fallen below 75% since 1982. All right. Uh, my solution, again, is no member running for Congress uh, or no member of Congress can, can be a member of a political party. Separate them completely. That's how I would handle that. Let's bring on Jonathan. And uh, I've been chatting a lot this morning. So, Jonathan, good morning, sir. How are you doing? Hey, good morning. It's been an interesting um, uh, time here. I've got Pianchi. Um, he'll be calling in, I'm sure, in a minute. He's on live chat. We also have Marco from the Netherlands on live chat. And we have Kalman, who's our geopolitical strategist person, on live chat as well. So live chat's picked up. I've asked anybody from Belarus to join us on live chat because I want to know what's going on with the Russian nukes from Putin. Um, so I've, I'm tired of talking. I've talked the last hour. <laughs> so it's your turn. Um, tell me what's on your mind. What do you want to talk about this morning? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, well, the whole the whole world, of course, is going nuts. But um, we, uh, um, I have exclusive breaking news. Oh, that, please do. Wait a minute. Um, let's, let's give you a drum roll. Okay. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, actually, no, wait a minute. Well, I'll, I'm going to do my breaking news uh, theme. Here we go. Uh, i got to find a way. To, right. to, I wonder if I can do these things. Cut. See, this is, if I know this ahead of time, I can actually plan this and make it sound like I know what I'm doing. Um, so here you go. And now, breaking news from Jonathan Mosley. As we go to the newsroom, let's see what's on the teletype. That that has to be the best one I've ever heard. That that is. Now, do you like my wife? We have a whole generation. <laughs> we have a whole generation that probably doesn't doesn't know what that is. A I know tel, a teletype machine. Mm-hmm. Isn't that and that's sad. Yeah, AP wire um, service. You know, I, I, I'm surprised they don't have the ripping noise of the uh, of people ripping off the coffee and running it up to the the well, news that desk. That would be awesome. That would be yeah, totally well, I'll awesome. keep looking. I got a bunch of sound effects that, here. I, I, play, that, well, I don't play them as often as I should. Yeah. You could possibly well, fix know. that. I'll work on um, it. Anyway, <laughs> so um, the uh, legal team of uh, the Proud Boys is, you know, you've been hearing, you've been hearing a lot of the, of the craziness going on, but there's even more. It's like every day there's more. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a result of all this, uh, the... Um, legal team for Dominic Pizzola is calling, uh, they, they put him on this witness list, but they're now actually calling Ray Epps to testify <laughs> in the Proud Boys case. Um, they, um, the thing is, is that 
and really it's the, it's the only people who really can because Dominic Pizzola and Ray, Ray, Ryan Samsel were people that Ray Epps talked to before. You should, um, you should explain who Ray Epps is and who Dominic is. So let's, let's identify those for our, our listeners, right. Um, especially around well, the world. Right, you know. now there's a, right now there's a trial of, of the Proud Boys, which is just a, sort of a drinking fraternity. And um, they, don't, they don't hate themselves. Um, and therefore, they must be destroyed. They uh, they love you know they love being men and they love American um, you know Western values and everything like that. So clearly, they have to be destroyed. So they have been defamed. well, they're men. <laughs> we can have well, men acting like right. men, not not in metrosexual world. Right. I I to me it, it, it's a little bit like uh, um, love and marriage. You know what's the What's the TV show? I think it's called Love and Marriage, or is that just the, the song? Um, um, where there is a song. Al Bundy has the group yeah. called No Man. That's the show. A Married with Children. Yeah. No, Married no with Children. Um, so anyway, they, um, they, have, they have been blamed with all kinds of nonsense because um, they're men and they don't, um, you know, and they don't kowtow to the things. Now, what they do is, is that they were created as a well, we had Aaron Wolkind on a year ago on you know who explained all this better than anywhere else, uh-huh. and he was he was the number two leader in Philadelphia, and they have people who are, um, you know they they call who just they just like to get together and watch sports on TV and drink, and therefore they're the threat to the America therefore they're racist because they watch. They watch TV and uh, they watch sports on TV and drink. And um, they, um, anyway, so they've also, they also started to go out to rallies, to Trump rallies and things, and defend the, the Trump supporters who were there, who were being attacked by Antifa. Mm-hmm. So they stood, you know, they, the Antifa was unable to intimidate, intimidate Trump supporters and real Americans because people like the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys came to their defense. And, um, and so therefore, just like we have to destroy the police and destroy any sense of civilization, the, you know, the, the Americans who stood up for uh, peace and, 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 and free speech had to be destroyed, because how else are you going to create a chaos and tear the country apart and, you know, clear the part, clear you know, do a demolition job to make way for the workers' paradise if there are people standing up for law and order. So anyway, you've heard all kinds of horrible things about the Proud Boys, which are absolutely, you know, absolutely none of them are true. And so the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys have been among the leaders of those being uh, put on trial for January 6th. And one of those is is, um, Dominic Pizzola, who frankly is um, probably, you know, he's in hot water because he broke a window and that's caught on on video. So where's the other, and he only joined in like December um, 2020, so he really didn't know, you know, how things are done. Um, But anyway, most of the other people, like Enrico Terrio, who's a racist because he's a black man from Cuba. Um, so he's, a, you know, he's, he's from the Miami 
Cuban community, you know, African, well, Cuban American, Cuban, no, African, how do you say this? Cuban African, um, Enrico Terrio. I think we said American. I think the term is American is the one you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know, maybe. Well, here's the um, question. If, so, uh, if I identify as an African American, can I still be a white supremacist? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so, just kidding. Well, yeah. So, well, so, I mean, so, right. So Enrico Terrio is a white supremacist because he's, he emigrated from Cuba from African-American uh, background. So he wasn't even there that day um, and um, because he, he burned a, a Black Lives Matters, well, really a flag. I mean, they call it a banner, but, but um, um, it was, uh, you know, in, in December, he burned a Black Lives Matter banner. Hmm. And, uh, and as a result, he was arrested on... Uh, um, he was arrested on January 5th when he arrived in D.C. and he left D.C. So he wasn't even at the Capitol. But he, he is on trial for seditious conspiracy. And you may remember for that... For burning a BLM flag? Is on trial for burning a BLM flag? That's not a crime. No. No, well, but that doesn't help. But, oh. but he's... No, I mean, he, he, he is... Um, just like Donald Trump in, in New York in New York City and in Georgia, um, the Proud Boys are are being put on trial for violating the statute that says we but we hate them. So mm-hmm. they're they're guilty of the but we hate them statute. Um, yeah. So 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 there's so how in the world does um, is Enrico Terrio guilty of seditious conspiracy? I, I beats me. I don't know. I've spent well. Sedition. You know, we actually uh, we did a report on that here. I've got one of my uh, Santa Rosa Volunteers pieces on the sedition and uh, alien and sedition acts. They sort of dump the alien part and concentrate on the sedition. Sedition, as I understand it, is criticizing your government. You know, something that we're supposed to be able to do. Opianki well, says Afro Afro Cubans, the, the term you're looking for, but it, it's not sedition. First of all, Black Lives Matter is not a government. So, so anything done to their flag is not sedition. It's just simply a protest. Well, of course, like everything else, who knows what? I mean, it depends on. Yeah, sedition, according to the oxygen, to the Oxford language dictionary, right, is conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of a state or monarch, and so. But of course, there are different definitions. The sedition. Well, we rebel, but we rebel peacefully. What's what's uh, so? Are so they saying that Action Radio is a seditious show? We're not. We're not rebelling right. violently. We're just rebelling in in legislation and calmly talking about stuff on the radio. Right. So they're well. They're they're technically charged with eighteen U.S.C. two three eight four, which says uh-huh. if two or more persons in the U.S. conspire to overthrow put down or to destroy by force the government of the United States or to levy war against them or to oppose by force the authority thereof or by force mm-hmm. to prevent. Now, you know, we ought to have a problem right on the bat when we have all the statutes that are like or, 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 or. <laughs> so basically you don't know what it means. Yeah. You know, it's like, come on. What's um, that citation again? Like that. What, what's that legal um, citation again? Title what? What is that one? Eight, well, almost all criminal statutes are 18 U.S.C. 
Okay. And then the section number, not all, but 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 many of them, uh, are, are two two three eight four. Okay. Now that's interesting because in the very same Title eighteen, you have Section two forty one, conspiracy against rights, which says virtually the same thing, but but completely different. If two or more people conspire to oppress the exercise or enjoyment of any constitutional right, aka the government and the Second Amendment. They're guilty of a conspiracy, and can, their asses can be thrown in jail, and they get a big fat fine. Right. So there's well, 18 so USC, 18 USC is the is the whole title of criminal law. Now right. there's some at 40 USC. There's some specific to different topics like environment, but eight, the entire title 18 is is all criminal law. Okay. All right. Um, but but yeah, so there's you know you can never accuse Congress of of consistency. Um, <laughs> And um, you know they uh, and you know and the game of course is for Congress to make a complete mess of things, what the English would call a pig's breakfast, and mm-hmm. and then to blame everybody else for it instead mm-hmm. of them just saying, okay, let's just get sit down and let's just fix this darn thing, uh, let's just rewrite it and do it right. Um, so anyway, so so here's so the, so they're accused of you know unarmed people. Now, there were a few people who are accused of having uh, a couple guns. Um, remember Jacob Chansley, the guy who was uh, wearing the Halloween costume. And let's be honest, it was a Halloween costume for um, a, a, a Viking, you know, a Viking Halloween costume. Big, you know, what did, what did Joe Biden say? I'll let you fill it in for yourself. B, you know, BFD. Um, and... Um, so he um, he had you know this fake hat with two horns on the top. Well, the government argued that those two horns were dangerous weapons, <laughs> and and they had and he had a he had a Halloween costume spear, you know, which you could get at CVS or um, something like that uh, uh, in the appropriate season. Well, the and top of the flags have dangerous. a spear. Have you seen the top of the flags? They have a spear. They have like a, well, that, a, a, a it, yeah. burned I mean, edge Zachary, gold spear. Yeah. Right. Zachary Real, who I recommend, is, he is accused in a pleading. I kid you not. This is pretty much a paraphrase of what it says. He is accused yep. in a pleading of storming the Capitol with a radio and goggles. So the idea here is that they're, they're going to take over. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to conspire to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the government of the United States by, by you know, storming, whatever that means, the U.S. Capitol. So, um, well, wait a minute. If the entire Congress was below and all the Trump supporters were above, there was no way to, to seize control of the government. Even if, you, even if you seized every member of Congress, there's still the executive, there's still the military, there's still the Supreme Court. There's still all kinds of other there's still the states. How are you, nobody seizes control of the U.S. government, so that that's just preposterous on its face. I would argue that. So if the if the Congress had already been moved out before most Trump supporters got there, and you had your agent provocateurs there, then how can you say it was an insurrection? It was because they were already moved. If it was an insurrection, it was the poor, most poorly planned. You know, no weapon, no no plan. And and what were their goals? Has anybody ever said what were the goals of the insurrection? What was you know if it was an well, insurrection? What were they trying to do? What were oh, they, they imposing on the country? They, they were trying to overturn the 2020 election. Well, that was stopping. 
I mean, this We're is what, to put it back. I'm not saying. Yeah, okay. I'm not. No, yes, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. right. I'm not saying this, but you ask what what the uh, what the alleged claim is. The okay. Claim, the claim is that they were there to overturn, you know, the 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 best and fairest election we've ever had, <laughs> in which in which the uh, you know the, the loved and revered you know dear leader uh, Joe Biden, you know, was was properly uh, um, recognized as the wonderful man that, well, that he is. Well, wait a minute. Because the, the Trump supporters are actually the heroes here, and, and, and so, well, of course, the deep state doesn't characterize it, but, there should, but the freedom Republicans, the, ones, the, the House Freedom Caucus, should say, wait a minute, these people are here for the insurrection correction. The election was stolen. These are the heroes. These are the people who are trying to fix the election. The, the people that stole right. the election, you know, I mean, but they've never come out and said that. Oh, but we say it all the time, of course. But, the, but the, you know, right. you would think that if, the, if any member of the Republican Party was actually, you know, in favor of America first other than Trump, they would say, wait a minute, these folks corrected the insurrection. They're the insurrection correction. Kind of a catchy title, actually. Well, that, that's, that's correct, but nobody, um, nobody wants to, to say that. So the idea is well, to get – I do. Correct. To get, <laughs> well, well, I mean, nobody else. But to get the um, – the, the, the goal was to get the, the election correct. Um, so in any way, they'll say that this was about um, – you know the certification. Well, there is no certification. I mean, because they say they say that they they came to oppose by force um, the implementation of a of a of a law, which many people have said are, um, you know, it's like, well, wait a minute, what law is being? Because you because you're executing a law, and they're mm-hmm. saying, well, the Twelfth Amendment is not a law, because Congress doesn't execute laws. And it's not a law. It's just the the the, tw- the twelfth amendment says that um, the Congress shall gather. And of course, remember that means that this was true back before they had trains, before before they had anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they were supposed to gather. You know, it's just to travel difficult distances to come across country, and and then sit and watch while the while the presiding officer of the Senate counts the votes. Right. Congress does not count the votes. Congress does not certify the votes. They simply watch while the presiding officer, who can be the, pres- the vice president, if the vice president uh, desires to assume his, his, his role, um, and they sit there and they watch. And then they, you know, and then they take photographs back, you know, and, and, uh, you know, celebrating stuff. So, um, so that's their, uh, that's the deal. So there's no, so people have argued in court and, and they've been struck down so far saying, well, again, this has not gone up to appeal. The part of this is, is on appeal now. And um, we haven't had anything from the appeal court. And the, the appeal court in D.C. is as bad as the district court judges and so um, it's probably going to have to go up to the federal, to the U.S. Supreme Court, and it probably will because there's so many of these cases and they're so significant. Mm-hmm. And and the legal issues, not just because January 6th was significant, but because the legal atrocities that the government is committing here, um, with far-reaching um, ramifications to, uh, to other cases, 
are so extreme that if the Supreme Court, if the Supreme Court doesn't take up these cases on appeal, it would be unthinkable, like not taking up cases about the 2020 election where the Constitution was clearly violated. <laughs> but they Which did they that. Do. Yeah, yeah. They did that. So, so we'll see. But, but so the thing is, is that um, they really should take it up. So anyway, that's where we're at. Now, so the thing is, is that the charges people are facing is, are that they conspired to obstruct an official proceeding up to a 20-year felony, which has never been used this way before, except on January 6th. Um, attorney Brad Geyer, and he, he credits Jonathan Grossman, whom we call in FBI, I mean in um, James Bond fashion, we call him the rabbi. You know, don, 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 because he's this great lawyer. You're the and, rabbi. Um, Bring him the rabbi. Come on, tell me what you want to talk about. Let's go. We, we need a rabbi for action radio. We don't have a rabbi. Go ahead. Tell me about the rabbi. You, you, you do that best. No, but it's like, it's, it's like the code word in a, in a, in a spy novel or something. Um, mm-hmm. He's a great guy. So he came up with this idea of January 6th jurisprudence, which hmm. means that all the normal rules do not apply. Right. And all new rules apply that don't mm. apply anywhere else in January 6th. Yep. It's like Alice in, Alice in Wonderland. And the so, rules are subject um, to change depending on the situation. Well, right. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so, so anyway, so, so we've got this thing where the only person of whom there is any evidence mm-hmm. of inciting people to go in, into the Capitol and stop the certification, which is really just a count, is Ray Epps. Mm-hmm. Ray Epps is like, I mean, it's the, I, I, I don't know if people, I don't know if I'm using it correctly, and I don't, like, well, uh, uh, where's Waldo? Um, and there's this, you know, the, the, the science fiction movie, um, The Twelve Monkeys, where they find, you know, where, where I hope I don't ruin the slide, I don't think it's possible to ruin it, um, where Bruce Willis goes back in time from a, from a dystopian um, future. And so he keeps showing up. The woman keeps finding him in photographs in all different time periods. And hmm. um, you know, sort of like people will say Forrest Gump, where he's always showing up in the middle of everything. Hmm. Um, so Ray Epps is like everywhere on January 5th and January 6th. I mean, I don't know how he has time to be everywhere. He's well, like he's on schedule. Running around. <laughs> Wait, have, have we found a schedule yet? You know, be here at 7.45, be here at oh, 10, be here. <laughs> Can you get I a schedule? I would love to see that. But he shows up everywhere telling everybody who will listen to go into the Capitol, which is the one crime that these people are accused of. They're not accused. Like, they say, they'll say Ray Epps. And, and now the, the big thing is here – um, one of the law, law firms that are attacking um, Trump lawyers, mm-hmm. uh, one of the people there who's from Perkins Coie, he's now on his own, he has threatened Tucker Carlson because poor Ray Epps um, is being defamed. And there are, and, and the, the, only, the only insurrectionist that the uh, select committee on January 6th, loves is Ray Epps. You know, Adam Adam Schiff defended him. Adam Kinzinger, 
you know. Well, other um, photographs. Are there photographs with uh, Ray Epps before January 6th with Adam Schiff? I mean, has anybody done a, a photo search? I, I suspect they have. I don't, I don't think any of that has turned up. Okay. But, but like I say, the, the legal team for Dominic Pizzola is asking to have him come testify. And they have, in the Proud Boys case, and they have the best shot at doing it, except that they're underfunded and they don't have enough time, um, and, he, and he is in hiding, so he's gonna, it's going to be hard to serve him. Um, <laughs> but, but he talked to, he's on video, talking to, to Dom, Dominic Pizzola and Ryan Samstill. Um, so they can call him, and, it, and they, they can't say it's not relevant. Although Judge Kelly, when, this, when the Proud Boys case is over, Judge Timothy Kelly, I'm going to make... Some, some shirts, you know, some jerseys that I have enough money to waste um, that, that are like a football jersey, you know, depart, you know, Department of Justice, most valuable player, Judge Timothy Kelly. Because um, he's, he's, basically, he's basically come down off the, the, bar, the, the bench and sat at the prosecution table. You know, any, anything, you know, nothing is too good to, uh, to, to corrupt the, the wheels of justice um, in favor of the, the persecution of January 6th people. And, and, and people understand there are some people on January 6th who, you know, who are not innocent, but the vast majority of them are. So, so mm. the thing is... Well, that, um, Bianchi. Bianchi's on the line, too. He's off live chat. Well, yeah. the whole idea, the whole idea, the plot, was to get people to come inside the Capitol. That's what Ray Epps' job was to do. He cheered them yeah. on. The people in the head of the crowd were probably members of the FBI and CIA and other government agencies that, come on, let's go. So if the people had to remain outside, what would the charges be? If they had not followed the cheering and the lead on by Ray Epps, what would it have been? And another thing, why come no, Ray Epps travel? Hold on, hold on, get an answer. Why that come first, Ray Epps? Really hang on for a second. This okay. is where it really gets good. Why come Ray Epps travel and hotel accommodations can't be explored leading up to January 6th? Did he go to California and meet with Adam Schiff? This is not that difficult to trace. That's is a good it? question too. Yeah, I want to. I want to get both those questions. I just want to separate them so we get answers. Every so time, well, people first of all, ahead, every time you, every time you get near the truth, the deep state screams and scrambles to to block it. It's like when Brad Geyer has tried to bring out the provocateurs, and and this what he calls suspicious actors, just to try to um, get you know to try to not alarm the judges too much. They will move heaven and earth to shut him down. Um, it is so, in fact, I have to tell you, so, so the thing is, is that all of the things that you could normally do, like Bianchi just asked, yeah, sure, you could do that, but not here. No, you know, normal rules don't apply. There is, there, they, are, they are desperate to say, oh, that's not relevant. I mean, the only person on January 6th and the day before telling people to go into the Capitol is Ray Epps, and everyone else is charged with that, but there's no evidence they did it. 
Wait, but, I mean, but it's not a crime to go in the Capitol when the doors are open. <laughs> and actually, I've seen videos where Trump supporters were shoved into the Capitol. They, they were pushed into the Capitol by right. operatives. So that's beyond in entrapment. I don't know what you call right, it. There's, but, one place, there's one place where um, Ray Epp says, I'm probably going to be arrested for saying this. Mm-hmm. And so the crowd shouts, so don't say it. Exactly. Don't say that yeah. if that's what you're gonna, you know. Mm-hmm. If, if, if and and then when he says and then on January fifth he's at a thing and he and he says you know he's yelling he says we need to go into the Capitol and the crowd immediately responds because they're not dumb well I, I guess a few of them were dumb enough to go into the Capitol but but they they yell back and they say Fed 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 because he's trying to incite people to go into the Capitol mm-hmm. and. You know, that's on video. And um, so um, um, do, we, do we know his military background? And does he have any background with any of the intelligence agencies, particularly overthrowing foreign governments? I think I call it color revolution. I'm not exactly sure of that. Probably term. wouldn't. I mean, I mean, they probably wouldn't disclose. Or they that. just trained Okay. Well, I know that. But, well, but, I'm not, but, that's not the question, <laughs> you know. But I want to know if, if there's any evidence or anything that uh, he has any kind of uh, literally insurrectionist training, because it sounds like he, he, he knows does. how to organize. He does. Well, he was. Uh, let's see. Um, he was born in Amelia Courthouse, Virginia, which is a. Um, um, small town in Virginia. Is he from a hollow? Uh, he has military. I'm trying to find it again. He has. He was a basketball player, but he has military experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I mean, the left is absolutely. I mean, the, the one. The only thing you need to know is how desperate the left is to deflect attention away from him. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, the New York Times came out and said. New evidence undercuts January 6th instigator conspiracy theory. Well, what's the new evidence? The new evidence is him saying that he didn't do it. That's the new evidence. And this, yeah. is, this is last October. So there's new, there's new recordings. Mm-hmm. You know, the new recordings were when he calls the FBI and, they, and probably their, you know, his handler. And they, although don't get caught up in, like people have asked, you know, are, are there people that work for the FBI. Well, what about the CIA? What about the, the Defense Intelligence Agency? What about the 17. other... What about foreign intelligence agencies that are drafted into working with us? What about the Ukrainian secret police? In other words, in exchange... Well, I mean, not them yet, but there must be some foreign government that uh, the Democrats use all the time. Probably the Russians, you know. I mean, uh, when I say FBI, KGB, I'm not kidding. Maybe the Democrats use the Russians because we gave them all the... They got 20% of our uranium from Hillary. You know, how about uh, who's to say that they're not being used uh, on behalf of the Democrat Party? I mean, they work together every other time. Right. I don't know why the Democrats don't realize that Russian um, forces, Russian, uh, oh, what's the word? Um, special forces, but that's not the uh, guerrilla forces. are Nazi. No, wait a minute. No, it's the uh, uh, Spetsnaz. Spetsnaz is the Russian. Yes. Very forces. good student and, yeah, and I, and, I know words. And they're, and they're badasses. They are badasses. Um, they, um, the, uh, the Soviet, now Russian Spetsnaz, you know, so yep. they could just walk across our southern border. 
you know, uh, if you told, you know, why is it that, why is it that Democrats are so upset about Russians, but they don't, they don't want to secure our border? Um, so anyway, the, the um, yeah, so, so it's not just whether he works for the FBI. We don't know who he works for. He might, be, he might work for the Democrat National Committee, for all we know. Mm, yeah. um, How about friends of his? How about high, usually what the Democrats do is they'll interview when they want to do like a sex scandal, like on, on, on Frat Boy Kavanaugh, they go back and find, you know, now Professor or Dr. Ford, you know, from high school, you know, a woman that doesn't remember him, doesn't remember where they were, but uh, insists that, uh, you know, that he sexually assaulted her. Well, it was a bunch of BS. We all know that. Um, but the question is, where are Ray Epps high school friends? I mean, he must have had, there must be somebody that knows him growing up. Was he an honest person growing up? Was he always a liar? Let's do what Democrats do. Let's, let's, let's investigate his friends and ask some questions. Who did he date? Who did he go well, to prom with? Should, you know, I mean, let's like, go. Like I say, the, 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 the establishment is hysterical to not allow any, any inquiry of him. That's like Eric Chiramella. Um, remember, remember the whistleblower? We couldn't mention his name. <laughs> go ahead, Bianchi. These people are being denied their due process. Hell, it's just, it, it should be suspicious on the chemical toilets that was there on the scene. Somebody must have been expecting a great big crowd, and you had to put that order in for those chemical toilets probably weeks before January the 6th. You just couldn't Jonathan call them the day before. This. No, this is a good point. Jonathan? Yeah. I, it's me. I don't know. I mean, the thing is... No, wait you no, you're talking about the permit. They had a, you have to get a protest permit, and you have to have so many chemical toilets based on the, the crowd you're expecting. You're the one that told me that. And somebody would have had to sign for those auditors a chemical toilets and pay for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. That's, no, that's true. So who had the uh, protest permit? Who had the permit to be on the grounds? We Where have, is that? We have, we have, we have the permits. The, the judges won't let us introduce the permits into the trial. What? No. <laughs> Um, I so, mean, so where's Congress recall? See, see, this is where the Republicans need to recall these judges. When, when they're the ones who are being obstructionists, you charge them with obstruction because they're obviously denying exculpatory evidence. They're denying the very things that the defense needs. That's like denying the videos. Now, Tucker Carlson got the videos out, which is good, but that's right. only part of the story. We need the permits, the documents, the licenses. We need the uh, uh, everything else that's involved with this. No, absolutely, but. but you know, so 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 Ray Apps, Ray Apps's lawyer wrote to Tucker Carlson, and and I think it was Kurt Schlichter who's like a, mm-hmm. who's like a snide, so he, you know, he's like a really he, he's like a conservative Ann Coulter who hasn't gone establishment. Um, yeah, what happened and, to her? She used to be good. I haven't seen Ann Coulter for yeah. a couple of years now. Yeah, I, I don't know, but but the thing is, is that so she. He, you know, he points out that, you know, do not, you know, do not believe what you see on video. You know, you're, you know what, what you saw on video, that's not true. It's what, uh, yeah, right. what we tell you. So, so he's, you know, he's threatening, he's threatening. I mean, basically what I believe is happening is that because the, the weenie, stupid Fox News people um, decided to be um, weak, about the Dominion lawsuit, uh, this other lawyer is just trying, just trying to pile on. Hmm. That's what happens when you're a weenie, is that everybody wants to, you know, everybody wants a piece of you. 
So um, you, just to change the subject a bit, do you know about Carrie Lake's lawsuit? Um, I've got, I just heard about it right before the, uh, although it happened a few days ago, but she won one of her seven claims and they're going to take up her case again or something. Do you know what's going on there? I've got an article on that. I, I can deal with it because uh, Dorothy only has half an hour a day. Okay. I have not taken a look at it, and someone who really, who really can should, should examine that in detail. Because I, I would be, I'd be uh, stretching to try to talk about that. So, well, let me just. Do you like, want me to cover it real quickly? I can, I can go over the article in like two you minutes. Can, but you probably need to get somebody who really has been following that. But go, okay. go, what does it say? Well, and this is in Red State. Big win for Carrie Lake as Arizona Supreme Court sends portion of election lawsuit back to trial court. This is Susie Moore. 1245, March 23rd, so just a couple of days ago. Uh, It says, depending on who you ask, Wednesday's Arizona Supreme Court ruling, so obviously last week, was either a stunning victory or a devastating defeat. Uh, And what it was, the judges approved one, but they sent everything else back. So it says that uh, quantitatively, uh, that is correct. Of seven claims asserted by Lake, six were rejected by the state's high court, which of course is BS, while one was was remanded uh, to the trial court for further review. So this is where it gets interesting. Let's see if I can find that exact... uh, that exact part that was remanded. Uh, according to the first, this is Arizona Supreme Court said in paperwork filed on Wednesday, the justices are granting, actually the judges, are granting the review of one of her seven claims. The complaint challenges how the Maricopa County recorder applied the signature verification policies during the election. The Supreme Court said, since it was a challenge of application, not the policies themselves, it could move to a trial court. The Supreme Court won't hear the case. As for the other six challenges, the Supreme Court said they yeah. were focused on proceedings. So it's, it's a signature verification that they're focused on. Said, so, yep, that's enough to send it back because it's, uh, it's well, procedure. That's a, that, that's a huge problem in, in Florida, too. That came out in Laura Loomer's case. Okay. Is that a ver- verification, I mean, it, like in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, warrants. Their signature verification is presented, arguably, you know, it's not mm-hmm. clear, as the only test you can use. Um, so, you know, so if you had, you know, video and 10 nuns as witnesses and a signed confession that, that the ballot was, was falsified, um, the argument is under Florida law, you cannot consider any of that. You can only you can only see if the, if the signatures match. And of course, there's no definition of what that means. What is what does matching mean? Mm-hmm. And the people doing the matching are amateurs. They're not FBI forensic analysis, you know, document analysts. And and anybody's um, signature, you know, can change. Whether I'm sitting carefully at a desk writing it or I'm standing outside my bank you know, scribbling on, on a checkbook in my hand, my own signature, valid, truthful signature, is going to vary. Mm-hmm. And so a forged, a forged signature from, say, a deed record may be a, a better match than an authentic signature. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, I've, I've seen my signatures on those forms. You know, that weird paper that comes up from receipts when you sign it doesn't look like your signature at all. But as I understand it, there's over 100,000 ballots that they're challenging where the signatures weren't properly verified. And and Carrie Lake uh, lost by only apparently 17,000. That's what the official count is, which I'm I'm convinced is wrong. But there's only 17,000 vote difference. And you get over 100,000 where the signatures, you know, might not have been judged properly. 
So that's well, enough right the there. If the signature match wasn't done, then yeah. there's no there's no way out of it for the for the forces of evil. But okay, if, good. If, the, if the question if the question is is that somebody looked at it and in their opinion the signatures mm-hmm. match, we got a whole that's a subjective yeah. thing. We've got a whole different problem that we've got to over overhaul all this stuff. Jackie. Well, that's where it should be straightened out at the state level. Supreme Court shouldn't be making those decisions. But then again, no, too, this is the Arizona there needs Supreme to be Court. A yeah. There needs to be there needs to be a way to better vet these voters. And apparently yeah. signatures aren't the best way. There should be another way where they are assigned to some sort of verification way ahead of the voting date. Right. Well, traditionally, the way was you show up in person and they look at your driver's license. Um, but, but yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a problem is that signature, the more I got into signature matching and helping on this Laura Loomer case, the more completely um, disturbing the whole process is. Uh, because, because, like, how do, you, how do you use signature verification I mean, the only thing you could do is have a notary public, maybe. But, but See, it's a mess. I don't believe in signatures on ballots. I don't believe in absentee or mail-in ballots, or maybe absentee under rare circumstances. But if you get rid of the mail-in ballots, you know, you don't have – the other thing they're, they're claiming is chain of custody, you know, so they don't know if these things uh, – you know, whether the, the envelopes match the ballots, because once the ballots are taken out of the envelope, how do you know? You don't know what's going on. So what they really need to do is redo the Maricopa election. But uh, that's what they're challenging is the signature verification procedures were not were, – were done terribly. We're done badly. And so it goes back to the trial court. That's, that's something. That's an appeal. Well, but that's, not over yet. Fat lady hasn't signed. Well, I mean, Sorry, fat lady. The thing is, if I, you know, if I file a lawsuit as mm-hmm. a lawyer um, and there's one main claim I'm going to make, I'm going to also put in everything I can think of. So there might be 12 counts. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I get one of them, I'm happy. So yeah. the fact that one out of seven um, were successful, that, that's, that's not a problem unless, unless the nature of the, one, of the ones dismissed you know, and, and the one is, is too confining. You know, it kind of depends okay. kind of on why. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, getting one out of seven is not bad. The question is, is, is what does that mean in terms of future elections? And well, this goes back to the is, trial court. You know, that's, that's the good news. Yeah, and, and when they say that the that this Arizona Supreme Court won't get involved, um, typically what that means is it won't get involved now, yet. They're right. saying that let 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 the trial court take another look at it, mm-hmm. and when it's when it's sorted out more, mm-hmm. if we need to, if, if because one of the things is that they don't, the appellate courts don't want to do things if it isn't necessary. So there. That's a good thing, actually. Maybe, yeah, that's a good thing. What? That's a good thing. Yeah. So they'll say like, well, maybe you'll get, you know, maybe you'll get this. Uh, you know, maybe by the time it goes to the trial court, it'll get worked out, and it will never have to come back to us. 
But that doesn't mean they won't if they, uh, 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 or it doesn't automatically mean that they will never take another look at it. Hmm. They, they might, if, if, if an issue is, is raised, they might, they might come back. Now, what I don't understand is why the Florida legislature, where basically there's a you know, Republican dominance, why they haven't fixed this. You know, I, I, I mean, Arizona, I, I we don't actually have a bill. Uh, we tried to get a bill into the legislature this term that said that there would be no machines, that only paper ballots, no mail in, um, that uh, my my provision, which is that all registrations expire at midnight, December 31st. So everybody re-registers every year to keep the voter rolls clean um, and that uh, the counts are done at the polling place by bonded counters. It's videotaped and the results are announced immediately. That's our election. Diane Warner, our election integrity reporter, wrote most of it. Uh, I had my provision from a previous bill that I'd written. We tried to get it in the legislature, and they wouldn't take it up. Well, you know, you don't up. have people with disabilities who can't get to the poll. Okay, that's and different. Down here, I've seen, I've seen uh, here where you had uh, uh-huh. people that was in cars that they would bring the machine out to the car where people could stay in their car. But uh, okay, well, let me. Let me ask you that if you if you have a disability uh, and you can't get to a gun store, uh, does does the state have to go out of its way to make sure that you have a gun? Well, that ain't the, that's not the topic. The topic is voting. No, it is guns. the topic. And I'll say no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Think no, about it it's not. We're it, talking about rights. People don't okay? have to buy no people. People don't have to buy a gun if they don't want to. But they, they don't have to vote if they don't want to. The, no. no, they don't. But the they encourage to. Craig, if a person is disabled, they can't get to the polls. Okay. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have absentee ballots. I know a person that's got palsy, they can't get to the polls. Right, that's a rare case. If the state, you got 50 countries, 50 states, if they decide that they want their disabled or whatever reason they have the ability to to send in their ballot by the mail, then that's their Uh business. Okay, well, I want the state to be able to mail out guns to disabled people. Then, what? See, here's the point well, I'm saying. What I'm saying is that that we have we have rights, but and I've explained this before on the show. But I want to run this by Jonathan too, because it would be a nice arbiter between the two of us. If that we do not, rights are there for their exercise. That's what makes a right a right. A right exists only by its exercise. But there's no more significance to the right to vote than there is to the right to uh, keep and bear arms, the right to free speech, the right to religion, assembly, et cetera, et cetera, right to due process. There's no right that's greater than any other right. So the idea that we make Herculean efforts for people to vote, if you can't get to the polls, you can't get to the polls. If you can't fire a gun, you don't get a gun. If you don't, can't afford a computer, you don't get to be on the Internet. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the idea well, that we do her- 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 wait, wait, hold, let me finish. Let me finish. The, the fact that we mm-hmm. do Herculean efforts for voting is discriminatory against all the other rights. There is no reason to make ridiculous efforts to ensure that every last person, you know, exercise that right. But taking ballots to people in nursing homes. No, if you don't understand the issues, you know, that it's just that simple. Now, I would still I would not outlaw absentee ballots, but I would make the criteria very strict because the right to vote is no more important, no, no less important than any other right. And we do not make Herculean efforts for all the other rights. Therefore, we should not make Herculean efforts for voting. That's my point. Pianchi. Well, you could. You have to look at it, too. The people that's pro-mail-in uh, ballots may be pro-gun. No, it's, it's separate issues. But just take, just take the argument on the fact of rights itself. Do you believe that rights are that there's a superiority of certain rights over other rights? Because that's what they're saying with voting. I don't believe that. I don't think that's uh, that's constitutional. 
Is the right to vote so inferior to the right to keep and bear arms? I would say no. Jonathan, your turn. Well, either way, it's still a person. I agree, with, although, frankly, the, the, the Supreme Court does distinguish um, without any particular rat. I mean, the Supreme Court distinguishes based on, like, oh, we just never got around to recognizing this right or that right mm-hmm. in, the same, in the same way. Okay. Um, but, but the thing is, when it comes to voting, it's not just a matter of rights. It's also we're also trying to pursue policy. So I don't know that I don't. I mean, because for for you know for decades or a century, we didn't mm-hmm. have mail-in voting. We didn't have these things. So clearly, it's not a question of just of a right, but it's a question that we we want. You know, we're trying to get um, you know a matter a, a matter of policy, not you know what's the best policy, not just whether it's mandatory. And well, let's equate to Johnson. Let's equate it to guns. In other words, you can't stop people. The Constitution says you cannot infringe on the right to keep and bear arms, but you don't have to benefit people and give certain people guns over other people. You don't have to make special privileges for people. You don't have to supply handicapped people with firearms because they're handicapped or disabled. And that's what we do with voting. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is that there's, there's an equality of, of, of rights, that no right is supreme, just as no group is supreme. You cannot have special rights for LGBTQ people that don't apply to everybody because there is no supremacy of rights. Rights are individual and equal. Same thing with voting, with guns, with religion, you know, in, in the same way that if you can't get to a church, you know, the state doesn't supply everybody with a free bus to church. Now, the church may do it, but that's on them. We do not... We do not aid people to exercise rights. We just prevent the government from stopping the exercise of rights. That's the point I'm making. Well, they can they can stop people from exercising their rights too by putting taxes on guns, taxes that's on ammunition. That's illegal, as far as I'm concerned. But they do it. But, okay, okay. I'm not I'm not questioning what they do. do. I'm not questioning but what they do. I'm saying I what's right to I have never seen them put a tax on a ballot. Well, you can't. But, but same way, now, see, now, a gun is a commercial good, so I can see putting a sales tax on a, a commercial good because it's made by a private company. So I don't have a problem with that. Well, no, it's inter- it is interesting because um, our courts and our, and our society, uh, I, don't, I, I think this is what, what Pianti just said. Uh, I'm not sure if I understood. But you, um, we've recognized that you can't put a poll tax on the right to vote. Right. That that a, a tax is is an infringement mm-hmm. of of the fundamental right to vote, but we don't apply that anywhere else. So it, we, and it, well, it, see, it, this, and that's a perfect example of what they do. That they shouldn't see a concealed carry permit to me is the equivalent of a poll tax. I don't need a permit from the government to carry a gun. I do not need a poll tax to vote. They're the same thing. It's an infringement. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, take notes on that. It's a good idea. Well, let me me ask you one more question before you go, because we got Dorothy coming up in about five or six minutes. We had a discussion earlier on the death penalty, and I've been sort of meaning to ask you this for a while, Jonathan. Uh, the, the, The highest standard of guilt is guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. But I've been thinking that with the DNA evidence we have now, with the video surveillance, you know, you catch the, the, the young assassin walking out of a school. Uh, you know they did it. I mean, you know they did it. Okay, uh, so my question is, is it possible, especially for death penalty uh, execution cases, uh, would it be possible to have a new standard um, guilt beyond any doubt? What if we raise the bar even higher where you absolutely know that that's the person who did it? 
could would that be an interesting standard to i know you haven't thought about this you may want to do it next week but if we had a new standard you have a one standard of guilt beyond a reasonable doubt okay life imprisonment for a murder but another standard guilty beyond any doubt we absolutely know they did it it's video dna surveillance we saw them they're there facial recognition the whole bit using technology we have today could we raise a new standard or create a new standard for guilt and call it guilt beyond any doubt jonathan well we could however i would say that most of the problems with guilt beyond a reasonable doubt as i'm i'm i've been looking at and i've been helping some people with proposed jury instructions okay and you know a lot of it is is that the system you know, on the outside, well, on the outside, it, may, it looks like it makes sense, but when you actually dig into it, it's complete, you know, mishmash. Which so, is? Well, like what we tell the jury. Like when you no, say, I don't believe in jury instructions. Yeah, I don't like jury instructions. When you tell the jury instruction, what, what does reasonable doubt mean? Uh-huh. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't actually mean in practice any rational thing that you would imagine. So I would say before, you know, or alongside or part of what you're saying is, is we should, you know, we should get straight. I mean, a lot of the jury instructions I've seen are based on, um, you know, they, they sort of invite people to say, you know, do whatever you feel like. You know, if it, fe- if it feels good, I mean, we have all this pretense about beyond a reasonable doubt and laws, but then when you get into reading the jury instructions, we're telling the jury to Ah, do whatever you feel like. Well, the jurors can't pretty much can do that. Well, before we get too much into this, I want to hold you just up for a second because I've got Dorothy on the line. She only has half an hour today. Uh, Is it, Jonathan? Is it possible for you to call back in at the bottom of the next hour, or you, or do you have work to do? Well, of course, I have work to do. I know I have work to do. Why don't we do it more? Well, okay, I don't know. Um, Or do you want to think about? You want to think about these issues for next time? Um, Take a second. Think no, about I, it. No, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't need to think about it more because I'm in the middle of I'm the, I'm in the middle of trying to fix these horrifically bad jury instructions the government's using. Well, let's take that um, up next week. I'm going to make a big note to myself because jury instructions. Because I've got a bill that mandates the juries be told of their power of jury nullification. So I'm going to put a big note for next week, which is the third of but April. They, but they need to be. I mean, because one of the things, that, and we'll finish up is. Would you would you believe would you uh, accept an idea where the jury has the power to nullify a law, uh-huh. especially if applied to a particular defendant or circumstance, right. but they don't have the right to make up a law? They can find someone innocent uh-huh. outside of the strictest but they cannot find someone guilty based on being squishy with the law. Like you say, do we go one way but not the other? Well, they can nullify based on the fact that the law is unjust or the law is unconstitutional, and then it's up to the legislature to fix the laws because all laws are created uh, or destroyed you know, in legislatures. That's their purpose. So that's the separation of powers. So that's how I'd rule on that. But I don't think, jury, I don't think judges should be instructing juries at all. If anything, juries should be instructing judges. They're the representatives of the people. They're the supreme body in a court, not the judge. Oh, there's a shot. Well, interesting. Oh, yeah. 
That's it. Jonathan, let me hold you up. Here's what I want to do, and then I'll get to the last comment. I have two bills. One that is a mandatory jury instruction. It's like a Miranda thing. You have the right to nullify the case, da 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 da. And the other one, um, I forgot what the other one was. There's another one on, on judicial or getting rid of judicial review. Let's save that one. I'll, I'll send you my bill on jury instruction, and let's talk about next week because this would be a great topic. And I want to give it the proper right. time. Okay. Last comment, Sorry. Jonathan? Nope, that's it. Well, well, that's my other. I mean, I don't need more time to think about it, but I do think we need more time to talk about it. Makes sense. Perfect. All right, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks. Talk to you later. Have a good day. You too. Yeah. Let's totally change our, our, our mood here and our mode here and get to our sex and sensuality report with Dorothy Diana. Sex. Everybody talks about it. Some of you are even doing it. But are you really talking to the person you are doing it with? It all comes down to communication. That's where Dorothy Diana comes in. Dorothy is a sexual health nurse educator. She has studied hypnotherapy, Reiki, and many other disciplines. And what is sex without sensuality? Something has to light your afterburner. Join us now for a sometimes very frank and occasionally quite descriptive conversation of sex and sensuality with Dorothy Diana. Okay, I've already had my political foreplay. Oh my God! You get Pianki and Jonathan and me together, and we also have uh, Marco in the Netherlands who's texting in on our live chat. So anything's possible (laughs) with the show. We're we're growing fast, and it's it's really it's really amazing what's happening. But this is such a total shift. This is the biggest shift we do, and I I say this every week. This is the biggest shift between topics that we do, even though politics and Mm -hmm. sex are very closely related uh, in so many other areas. So. I know you got limited time. Let's uh, let's get to you. What's going on? Let's get to it. So I great topic on sexual tension and sexual chemistry, and especially in marriage. You know, I'm a fan of of saving the sex until there's a great emotional connection and there's monogamy and exclusivity in place. I think, especially for the feminine energy, that's very important for her to feel safe. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about sexual tension. And sexual chemistry, which is essential for a strong, long-term romantic relationship, right? Um, mm-hmm. I'm really talking more in terms of how you sustain it. Now, to have, a, to have it initially, uh, there's some things that usually are in place for, for sexual tension and chemistry to, to begin, uh, which we can go over, or I think those are kind of obvious <clears throat> But uh, frequently in a long-term relationship, uh, that is one thing that begins to fade for one or both partners. And uh-huh. although the friendship is intact and the values are shared and there's maybe a lot of other things in place, when that begins to dissolve or erode, that causes a lot of problems, right? Because not, uh-huh. we don't want, really want to be in a marriage or a, or a relationship, a long-term relationship without sexual tension and chemistry and passion. Well, kind of are they connected? Can, you can't have tension without chemistry, and you can't have chemistry without tension. They're kind of interrelated, aren't they? Mm. Two sides of the same coin, like as they, they say. Are. Yeah, I think I so. I feel like they are, and I feel like the tension helps create the chemistry. You can have chemistry. I think you're right. I feel like you're uh-huh. right. Um, I haven't really 
pick that apart too much. But Well, think about male friends that you have. Is there any male mm-hmm. friend that you have that you're not at some level attracted to? Yes. You do have a yes, male friend that you're not attracted now, to. Now, I, I think that differs from the I think, think that differs from the feminine and the masculine. I've had this conversation with with many men, and it's pretty humorous. Um, oh, let's go. Let's let's I, have that conversation. Because I'm, I'm, I've had men tell me it's impossible, but because they don't understand the feminine. I believe for most women that are in their feminine energy, it is absolutely possible to have a male friend that you love and feel connected to that you do not have any chemistry with. And for me personally, if a man, and I don't like to throw the word beta, I think that's so common. If a man is more in his feminine or more balanced masculine feminine energy, for me, there's no chemistry. That's, that's not, that doesn't do anything for me physically. Like there's mm-hmm. an energy missing there that I need that would trigger me physically to be turned on. So well, yes, I, I can have that. I don't mean attraction where, you, you know, you, you want to have sex with them right that second. But, I mean, just an attraction. Mm-hmm. There's something about them that attracts you. I mean, I think that's just a difference between men and women. I mean, my guy friends are guy friends. We're dudes. Like, we do dude stuff. You know, but, uh, but the women, my women friends, there is at some level, I think, an attraction. It doesn't mean sexual. It doesn't mean I want to have a relationship with them. But there's something about them that's different than a friendship. There's a friendship plus. There's like an extra something. So I like having women. No, not, not for me. For, uh, honestly, okay. when there is a, um, I have female friends and again, I'm, I'm not a lesbian. I've explored, explored many things in, in, in depth concepts and that's not me at all. Mm-hmm. But right. my female friends that are attentive, loving, communicative, we share values. There is an extreme closeness and a quote attraction, but it's, there's nothing. Things sexual. There's a sexual honoring. I don't know if that makes sense. So between the feminine, like, like I can see her sexuality and sensuality, and I, I can honor it. Yet I don't want to share anything physically with her. So mm-hmm. that's fully different. And so I don't know if that's what you're talking about. Can you have male um, friends where there's a, a feeling of attraction and honoring and seeing them as a sexual being? Yet, however, there is zero desire for me to enter that with them. In well, well, look at soldiers that, that serve together in combat. They're bonded for life, but they're not going to sleep with each other, you know, unless, okay. one, you know, unless so when you're gay, asking okay? about attraction, is that when you're talking but there's, about attraction? But there's a difference. Was, yeah. There's a, there's a, I think there always is. This goes back to when Harry met Sally, right? We're talking about uh, uh, Billy Crystal and, uh, oh, what's your name? Oh, I forgot her name. You know the one I'm talking about. Who was in, who was in when Harry met Sally? Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, there we go. Anyway, but, uh, but, that, but I think that's what makes the world go around. I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing to have an attraction at some point. And it doesn't mean they have okay, to be the most not, glamorous women. On, you know, but, okay. That's why yeah, I'm, I'm not, not talking about an attraction for the, for, towards another human. I'm talking about in a relationship when you want sexual tension and chemistry and you want that to stay. Because that's, it's a choice to be with someone in this bonded way as a partnership, yep. right? And, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's different than having a male friend and hopefully – and again, there's a lot to having healthy relationships and boundaries is one of them. So hopefully if I have male friends, I'm putting out clear boundaries, you know, and so oh, if they, they are may want you anyway. me, you there's no, know. they just haven't told you yet. Well, they, they may <laughs> want to, and that's okay. But my, my, but in order to keep the friendship, if it's valuable to you, you know, right. you'll understand. I may even, I may even kind of casually flirt back. Flirting is just, flirting to me is just, um, lightheartedly making the other person feel good with compliments and, uh, and, and sometimes oh, you can even throw some sexuality in there. But, but if you have good boundaries with someone, it's very clear to them 
right. not to feel about you that way or get to because mm-hmm. they're not, I'm not available in any way, shape, or form. So right. I can have male friends that I'm not attracted to in the slightest that I really value. Um, but but mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who believe that that the straight male cannot. And, um, you know, that's interesting. I just want to that. Um, but it doesn't mean we have to act on it. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It just means that, uh, you know, and, and I think for, the, for us straight guys, it actually benefits us. You know, that kind of attraction, I think, is it adds to our lives, as well, you know, and it, it can add, it, it might lead to a relationship, it might not, it doesn't well, matter. Well, the primitive still... male, the, yeah, the, the evolutionary biology and psychology dictates that the, the, the male wants to spread his, his genes and his, you know, his seed, for lack of a better word, as, as much as possible and looking for variety. So that you're right, there's nothing bad about it. In fact, it's very healthy. That, that desire, even if I'm not in love with her, even if she's not my dream girl, even if kind of cute, yes, I want to have sex with her. So this is different than women. This is a different than the feminine energy. This is not the same. And yeah, that's true. you're right, it's not bad. It just well, is. I used to make a, a joke in my 20s. I said, I don't, I don't have to sleep with every woman in, in a bar. I just like to think I can. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, but to create, but, so yeah. the creation of sexual tension, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I believe it comes down to polarity Essentially, so when one person is in the feminine and very comfortable in that energy, and one person is in the masculine and very comfortable in that energy, that tends to create the initial sexual tension is differences, a difference. Mm-hmm. So, um, and again, the masculine energy is uh, decisiveness, taking action that's unfettered by emotional confusion. Uh, the masculine energy prefers to be respected over being adored or cherished. And would like to lead without being told they're wrong or questioned. And again, there's no good or bad about any of this. This is the masculine energy. So the person well, takes how guys energy feel on a relationship. When you talk mm-hmm. about how women yeah. feel safe. I don't know if we've explored how guys feel safe. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Guys, normal Never guys, done. guys that are not <laughs> sexual assaulting, rapist guys, guys and regular guys, just decent, nice guys, yeah. want to have a reaffirmation that what they're going to do, being guys and, advance, and taking the advance and taking the lead, is not yeah. going to be rebuffed, rejected. Um, because, and that's, it's almost like you want permission ahead of time. It's like, here's what I want to do. If you give me permission, I'll be the guy. I'll be the lead. Because I don't mm-hmm. want to force myself yeah. as a guy So here's a woman. the challenge. Okay, and, if, and if she or if, you're, if the person you're choosing as a partner is unable to do that, mm-hmm. you may have to say next because now Absolutely. you're both – now she doesn't trust you. So, okay, so the feminine – let me touch on feminine energy and then what makes them feel safe because this goes together. So the feminine energy okay. is intuitive, um, prioritizes a love and connection, uh, mm-hmm. usually very inclusive of everyone, not as suspicious, more um, making excuses, not, you know, making excuses, but really allowing for many differences, allowing for many behaviors, wild, untamed, emotional. Again, mm-hmm. all of this just is a generality, okay? Needs to be, needs more than anything to be seen, heard, and understood. So if she feels safe by the leader, she will, she will yield. And, and where does that safety feeling come from? Well, here we go, childhood stuff. So if she didn't have a great childhood experience with her caregivers, then mm-hmm. we have baggage, right? That, that even if the masculine in this relationship is a great leader, is trustworthy, is safe, she may have walls up. Again, that she needs to do her healing before trying to enter. But he's okay. not going to leave. How else? Then, a decent, then a normal guy is not going to leave in that situation. He's going to talk and find out and, 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 and you know, see what, uh, whatever might be happening and get to know that person on a different level or a deeper level before leading. See, I think guys take the lead once they have permission to take the lead because that's a decent thing to do. I, so I don't know. Of, I so feel I'm, the masculine guy, the man truly in his masculine energy will naturally lead. 
And if she oh, is not following, he will be turned off. And none of this is even in the conscious mind sometimes. Well, it's it, not it, just it's, turned it's, it's off. Like it's Why? it's mm-hmm. like you – I think it's more than just not turned off. I think it, the decent – and I'll try to use myself as an example – is that a decent guy will recognize that taking the lead is not appreciated, not, not welcomed, not – there's something wrong. You just get that vibe. So, wait a minute. <laughs> this it's isn't good. It's a vibe. Good. It's and an energy, you Greg. You're right. Then you don't – It's not really – and it might, you might be somebody who sense? can put it in your conscious, conscious mind, 100%. And you might be someone who can have that in your conscious mind and analyze right. it, but many people won't. They literally would just feel a turnoff. They won't feel this attraction, and they'll move on. And, but it's and not so, insulting. See, I would never might. take that as an insult. Mm-hmm. That would, that's, just, that's just the way that – that's a circumstance that might you know, lead to more questions and lead to more conversations and lead to things like that. But I would never take the, the, uh, the, the, the negative, I don't want you to lead, you, know, you don't have permission to lead thing – as an insult or something that's personally against me. It could be as simple as it's a, it's you're a, not my type. It's a feminine, and it's a feminine energy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, when I don't even know that this conversation, you don't have permission to lead. You would have to have two very aware individuals. And once you actually have that conversation, at this point, you're struggling with sexual tension. So what I'm talking about right now is okay. the beginning of the relationship. But what you're talking about, um, is great words to have once the relationship is established and the passion starts to die and you mm, don't know not why. Not necessarily. Because what if you meet on a, on a first date or what if you, uh, <clears throat> you know, meet in a bar and get, uh, and, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of first meetings. That, you can that, have you know, that conversation college. because you're in, you can have that, Greg, if you choose to, because you're in your intellectual. But if we're talking about an initial sexual tension where there's mm-hmm. energy involved and you can't really explain it away or intellectualize it, I, that's that. The, if the fact that conversation has to take place probably means that there's not an organic sexual tension, and you're already doing a lot of work at the beginning when it should well, be sort of be easy and slow. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, we're we're I'm, I'm intellectualizing something that happens on a subliminal, subconscious level. So that's probably would right. I should probably say that because that makes more sense because that's what we're dealing with. In other words, that that uh, you know, a guy subconsciously you know initiates leading. Woman says, "That's a great thing. Go ahead, keep leading." Guys like, "I'm going to lead more," you know. Or it's like, "No, I don't think you want to lead. You're not my type." Okay, fine. I'm not going to lead anymore. You know. Or and I then, don't trust uh, just, you. I don't. Yeah, feel or that safe. could be so the feminine, the feminine energy. Mm-hmm. It, like intuitively, will feel safe with someone leading or not safe and and heard. They'll feel safe and heard, and because her job, the feminine energy job, I shouldn't say her. I, there's no shoulds, but. Her her job is to set these boundaries. So so almost like a ship steering a ship. Like he's the captain, he's at the wheel, but she has the idle switch, right? Her hand on the idle switch, and she maybe has a map. So um, her her job is to know what her requirements are to feel safe, and mm-hmm. to be kind of paying attention if that's being met, and. Um, and sort of guide the speed and the pace at which things are going. Uh, but again, initially, it, it, is, it is an energetic sexual tension, usually based on polarity. Where does that come from? And a few other, uh, explain a few polarity. Other, where, where is the tension the same thing I'm come talking from? about. One person, is, one person is deeply in their feminine energy, and one person is deeply in their masculine. And, and the less blended the both people are in the the more polarity and passion there tends to be. So oh, you have so, okay, so, okay, so it's the so opposite. On, it's so, the polarity that creates the tension. Yes, and, and that polarity okay. might actually be unshared values a little bit at first. Now we're talking about long-term relationship. That can, that can be a problem. But in the beginning, 
the polarity sometimes creates the most amazing tension. Um, other things that create tension, uh, you know, again, these are, these are less important, but still um, part of the package. So if, if listeners are interested in creating sexual tension with someone, um, eye contact, does, right? Mm-hmm. Does pursuing, yeah. a guy pursuing a woman create sexual tension? Asking if out being her feminine like energy. three or four times. Okay. If she's in her feminine energy, um, mm-hmm. she's refusing for, for a reason. One, she's unavailable right now to have yeah. that. Two, she's, she's just not feeling what she needs to feel to want to go further with this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or three, she's playing games, which I never recommend. I don't recommend them. Playing games will get you an initial passion and fun, but it will not sustain long-term. Period. Because if it's, it's not there, if the pieces are not in place, yeah. And if the pieces are not in place, you're wasting your time. So yeah. there's no reason to play games. But if you're not feeling like, if you're feeling, huh, right now, I don't think this man is actually in the right place. I need him to be for me to go any further and enter any kind of um, getting to know him more in a relationship type idea. Or mm-hmm. I'm not ready right now. I'm still healing from my divorce. I'm still healing from my past relationship. I'm right now Mm. completely focused on my business and my kids, and I don't want a relationship. So those are reasons to block, right? And the the communication Mm -hmm. would be kind um, if you know them more than just, you know what I'm saying? If it's a friend or somebody, you know, if he's a jerk, he doesn't deserve anything besides no thank you. I'm not interested. But uh, maybe he's in your workspace. Maybe he's a friend trying to make it more than, than he deserves um, an explanation, right? Okay. Let me ask you uh, absolutely. But back, let's let's here. talk about uh, sexual tension. Let's make sure we get back to it so we can finish. Oh, we but will. Go ahead. Absolutely. This is, this is on the same way. But uh, how does the tension work when, when a woman really wants to take the lead? How are guys reacting? Mm. Guys that are like, this is great. Guys are like, this is not great. Guys are like, eh, maybe I'll so, give it a try. Let's, give, let's get so three options. for casual sex, if you're talking about a masculine energy, and she's leading, he might, he might take you home. He might even take you out to dinner. But you have thrown off everything that's exciting for the masculine energy at this point, period. Okay. Now, let's go to long-term. Let's go to marriage or long-term relationships where he's already emotionally completely attached. There's, ten, there's physical attraction. Everything's in place that, that's moving this forward into possibly a marriage. Now we have an opportunity for her to sometimes initiate. But in the beginning listen, I don't care what we believe, what we wish was true, what we think should be true, according to our readings on equality. If, right. if the feminine energy takes over and leads the masculine, it's not going anywhere good for her or for, or for him. It's, or for, I mean, it's like, I so what goes on with sex. the guys? Uh, what goes on with the, what, what do they, do they, uh, what's such a masculine? It suddenly comes to mind. You're not being a man. Do well, men feel like cool. they have to be the man? They're like, it's flattering. Well, it's flattering. And yeah, I want sex. I mean, like we just talked about, yes, spread right. my seed as many places as possible. She's cool. Okay. And, and, I, and, and if I'm a good guy, I'm probably going to, you know, we're going to stay friends. We're going to like her, but I'm, am I really going to take her seriously as a long-term, um, probably not. It just, it just doesn't work. It, it, it so I mean, changes? you can try, but I think you're going to keep butting heads. However, the relationship starts is usually a good mm-hmm. indicator of where it's going. So if hmm. she's taking the masculine energy in the, in the beginning, be prepared to do that. Be prepared to um, both respect him and adore and cherish him and, and take the crumbs he throws your way. So that's So what about women that goes. really want a relationship and they're, they're the guy's like not – let's take a nerdy guy. Let's take a woman who really – you know, the guy, nerdy guy. He's got no experience with women. You know, he's not really – but he's just like – he like sets this woman's you know, heart on fire. 
you know, mm-hmm. and he's not going to initiate. So then what do you do? Well, <laughs> Women? I, you, he, you don't, he doesn't get it. He doesn't get next. She says next, if she has self-respect or she has self-love and values herself, I'm going to tell you, anybody that wants something enough will do it. So he doesn't okay. want it enough. Or his self-esteem is low, which is going to create so many problems in the relationship. Anyway, he's not ready. He needs to do his healing or uh-huh. find someone he, he wants enough that he can't even help himself. So... Yeah. Um, it's like women I, I have needy a, are a complete turnoff too. It's like women, yeah, you, know, you know, it's like yeah, here are my requirements. I want you, I need you, but you need to do these things. I'll go away, <laughs> please. Yeah, so I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, okay. hold on now. I hear you, but I will say this: once uh-huh. you enter the relationship and you're bonded, and the things are in in place, um, there there are times when the chasing masculine energy will begin to pull back. And, and stop giving the feel-good gestures that they did in the beginning. Now, part of that is, quote, normal and natural, but a smart man who wants to keep a relationship will try not to do that too much because, like I said, the feminine energy needs to be seen, heard, understood, um, feel beautiful. And so if you're doing gestures in the beginning, in the first four to six months, which is the honeymoon phase, mm-hmm. can be a little longer, a little shorter, and let's say you're sending flowers regularly or love notes or, you know, little texts during the day. And you sort of stop doing that because the relationship kind of goes into the next phase, which is um, a little more settled. And uh, this is where we sometimes run into problems because he feels like, great, everything's great. Relationship's great. I've got her. You know, now let's move on to more practical things in life. She's stuck with me. We're married. I don't have to put any effort in anymore. Oh, please. Th- those guys are idiots. Yeah. And she <laughs> they really to feel are. neglected. Um, yeah. Or let's say it the, the reverse, the things he needs um, support. Like the masculine energy tends to really thrive when they're given a lot of support and affirmation about their goals and the direction they're taking, right? And, mm-hmm. um, and the work they're doing in the world right? And how they provide. And so maybe she stops appreciating and, and giving him verbal support and, um, you know, kudos for, for all, all he does, his efforts, for, for whatever. So people start getting lazy. So um, I don't know how we got off on this tangent. Sorry, I tend to be very... No, this is good, though, because of... <laughs> I was thinking if I, if I met a drop-dead gorgeous babe that I thought might be interesting and had a brain in her head and absolutely hated action radio, thought I was a total idiot for pursuing this, why don't I get a real job? Yeah. I, it's yeah. not happening. I'll tell you right now, no. it's not happening ever. Correct. You know, even though yeah. I might be attracted to her physically, I think well, physically she's pretty good. But you know, <laughs> you know, when did the deal breaker right away? Action radio sucks. Deal yeah, breaker. You and you're, you're bringing yeah. up a great point, Greg. Know your okay. deal breakers. Again, we're talking about relationships now. I want to get back to sexual tension, but knowing your deal breakers from the uh-huh. get go is yep. really important. Like, have a list of five, and on the date. You know, mm-hmm. don't bother. If there's something not in place, it's not, it's not going to work. So mm-hmm. don't waste your energy. Yeah, if so you don't let my life work, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> that's the deal breaker. I'll think yeah, of four more on sexual week. tension, yeah. so on creating sexual tension, um, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about communication. Um, banter is a great one, creating sexual mm-hmm. tension. This lighthearted teasing, lightly suggestive talk when appropriate. Um, body language towards the person, being aware of the rules of body language. Anybody can look that up and um, create some sexual tension by using body language. 
um, for the feminine being vulnerable and authentic creates sexual tension, um, being emotionally available. Um, smell, I think this is important to mention, smell good, look good, and feel great. So some, I think a lot of us don't need to hear this, but some people do. Wait you a know. minute, wait a minute. You're, this is a huge topic here, pheromones. There are, are people that don't smell right to you for whatever reason. You're not going to have a relationship with them. It's not going to happen. So they just smell weird. And not that they smell bad. They just, yeah. go ahead. But that's, that's huge. Actually. Yeah, you're right. It is. So they, t- they did this wonderful study. And this is, this is years and years ago. And there's probably been follow-up studies since, but I, I love this okay. one so much. I'm not going to even look into the follow-up studies. <laughs> go for it. But that's they okay. Take the one you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's the OG study. They blindfolded women and had them smell all kinds of different men from different mm-hmm. um, ethnic backgrounds, um, skin colors, um, different countries. Can you smell skin Different colors? personalities. They oh, blindfolded okay. them and had them smell. And the ones they are most attracted to tended to be genetically different. Um, not, hmm. You know, in, in appearance, um, some similarities and some big differences as if they came from, you know, different parts originally came from different genetic backgrounds. Very interesting. But yes, you're a hundred percent. There's true a survival one. That smelling this is a great someone survival is a very smart idea. Smelling a man a, where his, um, where his beard comes in, smelling his <laughs> armpits. I'm telling you, this is where the pheromones are. And I know yeah. you're on the first thing mm-hmm. you're going to smell your armpits, but, um, you get close, get enough. close you'll, you'll, when, you'll get, you get on the dance floor. Uh, you, you want to see what someone yeah. smells like? Go dance with them. Get, get close and, and personal. And don't make it the obvious. The smell of their sweat will tell you a lot. Oh, yeah. And now if they drink a lot or they eat a lot of sugar, that smells like <laughs> shit. Oh, excuse my language. That comes out smelling <laughs> horrible. Not, when we'll when you sweat with yeah. the sugar yeah. and the alcohol. So if you're drinking or eating a lot of junky food, just know your, your smell, your body odor is going to be much worse. So that's another um, motivator to be very yeah, but healthy. If you're, and and but if you're mm-hmm. dancing, have a good time. You're not going to care. But I'll tell you what's interesting, though. Um, alcohol well, kisses, if you want to smell somebody's you know, pheromones, if you want to smell what they authentically smell like and they're sweating, uh-huh. those mm-hmm. things tend to cover up the pheromones. Oh, okay. that's interesting. Yeah, so that's why I wanted to throw it in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I just made the comment, alcohol kisses. You ever kiss someone after they've had a big drink of alcohol? It's like it's kind of it's different than without it. Which is I don't like it. Okay. I, I don't care for that. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Right. That's, a, that's a good topic, though. Okay. So yeah. uh, also back creating back sexual tension, mm-hmm. creating sexual tension and keeping it um, smelling good. Yes. So we don't want to, we don't want a lot of perfume. Perfume has phthalates. It's kind of toxic. That's one reason. Oh. Another yeah. reason is it, it does Perfumes cover up your pheromones. I yeah. I recommend essential oils. Find the ones that, um, that 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 you feel like smell good on you. That are good with your chemistry. Um, the mm-hmm. natural deodorants, just I carry it around with you, carry it in your purse, apply it every so often. Huh. Um, patchouli oil. And again, a, I heard that from the 60s. I, was, that, was that a real thing? I like it, but I like like the essential oils. You can get jasmine, rose. If you like feminine florals, there are many. I make my own combinations at home. There's even combinations called love potion, which have uh, the, the essential oils that, nine. yes, they have okay. the essential oils that, um, kind of create calming, loving feelings. So I, I encourage people to play with those. Um, huh. You know, and I'm still there, oh, that, that natural stuff doesn't work for me. Well, so it, it takes your body about two weeks, two weeks to detox from aluminum-based deodorant. So two weeks for your body to start regulating itself under the armpits. So give yourself two weeks of, of getting off of those toxic uh, mainstream deodorants. Well, and deodorants a perspirant. 
Antiperspirants have a lot of I meant to say antiperspirants. Yeah. Yeah. I meant to say antiperspirants. Well, the deodorants don't have perfumes. So, mm-hmm. right. Okay. So, you want the, de- the, the deodorants that are the natural oil deodorants, cedar and lavender and sandalwood and all those. Um, okay. So, feel great. Smell great. Look great. Feel great. Um, look good means you exercise, you take care of your body. Look, right. you know, there's all body types for different people, and I'm not going to knock anyone. There's some men that really like a little more pounds on their woman, and that's great. And so there, I do believe there's someone for everyone. But if you don't feel good, that energy is out there, mm-hmm. and you're not going to be able to create sexual tension well, with somebody that are, you really want to be with. What are women looking for for mm-hmm. guys for sexual tension? Do you, do you want the big chest? Do you want the flat stomach? Do you want the six-pack? you want the, 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 I don't know, the guy butt? I mean, what, what are you looking for? What are looking for? It's, so the number one comes down to energy, this, this okay. um, polarity, and if it's balanced. So that goes beyond anything else. You can have a guy that, but again, a person that doesn't do self-care, I don't think everyone needs six-pack abs, but a person that doesn't engage in self-care probably doesn't have a very good self-esteem. So there's energy right there also. Oh, okay. and what you what And that will attract towards you somebody else that doesn't have. So we magnetize that, which is on the similar vibrational frequency. So if you have a low self-value, you're going to magnetize people with low self-value. And Mm -hmm. there might be chemistry there physically, but there's going to be all kinds of problems. So take care of yourself first. First and foremost is self-love. Then move into relationship mode. If you don't have self-love and self-care in place, you don't need to really even be playing in the field of um, unless you're practicing and you know you're practicing. and, if you're yeah. a needy person, you're going to attract needy people. Because I remember earlier points in my life, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> and it's like, it's re- or, you this neediness. Yes. That's not a good thing. Yeah. Or neediness mm-hmm. as far as anxious attachments. I recommend everyone do their attachment style quiz. I like Brianna hmm. McWilliams online. I'm just going to throw that name out there. She's mm-hmm. fantastic. She has a free attachment theory quiz. So if you're anxious attachment style, which tends to look very needy, you actually frequently attract avoidance which is the opposite. And that dynamic is very painful. And so oh. knowing your attachment style is a great idea before you start um, also entering relationships, make it part of your self-care package. You know, I should, before t- you I start should tell you what her. mine is once I find out. Who's the, who's the test again? Brianna? I like Brianna McWilliams. She's on Instagram. She's on YouTube. She gives you tons of free quizzes and advice and all these things. And she's, this is her specialty. She's excellent. Um, but there's lots of free attachment quizzes online. So finding out your attachment style because uh, you will attract, you will magnetize certain things that don't always feel so good. Okay. So creating sexual tension, positive attitude towards the other person, lots of supportive words, especially if someone's love language is verbal affirmation, but anyway, even if it's not, I'm just feeling positively towards them. People will feel that energy and they're attracted to it. When someone thinks you're wonderful, that is very attractive. And oh, yeah. Again, I was going to say, the, the greatest the, attraction is someone that's yeah. attracted to you. Um, yeah. Then you worry about the other things. But if someone's attracted to you, the first thing you're going to be is attracted, and then you'll find maybe reasons not to be attracted, or you'll find more reasons to be attracted. But the fact that someone else is attracted yeah. to, uh, to you makes a huge difference. But they, they think you're wonderful, and they're encouraging, yeah. and they smile well, at like you a, a lot, a, and they want to be near you. Yeah, yeah but not like in a clean, needy more, way, so. like you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That, that's, that's a great okay. way to lead more. Go ahead. Yes. Right. Okay. And, um, and you can do that with feminine and masculine energy. So the, a positive uh-huh. attitude towards someone is neither is both. Uh, and it's just the way you approach it and the way you express it. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, giving space when needed. I just want to touch on that, this ebb and flow of togetherness energy. So, and this goes mm-hmm. back to the neediness you mentioned. So when 
you're creating or keeping sexual tension, being aware that letting someone miss you, and again, we're not talking about playing games. We're talking about you have a life and you have friends that invite you out and you have other things. So sort of this like getting called away, you know, and, and not throwing your whole rest of your life away and your friends because, you know, you're so sexually attracted to somebody, right, which people do mm-hmm. do that. Um, yeah, letting yourself idea. get drawn away to other things, letting them miss yeah. you and vice versa, yeah. taking a breather, you know, and I'm not talking about being hot or cold or playing games um, because that's very annoying and obvious and leaves nowhere good. Just a hmm. natural breathing uh, in and out of the space and the apartness. Does this make sense? Yeah. Well, what, are, what are like three good ways for guys to create sexual tension that doesn't make them look like, you know, boorish quads? So if you are the masculine energy, mm-hmm. and so when you say guy, I naturally think masculine energy, but a way that not every relationship is man and woman and not every relationship, the guy. We can talk about those relationships so, too. It'd be interesting to talk about the yeah, dynamics so of, of gay relationships. Energy. Yeah, yeah. The great that's way for the masculine energy that's the directed, decisive, less emotional, more of the leadership energy to create sexual tension is to be comfortable in the masculine first and foremost. Know what your hmm. energy is and be comfortable. And with that comfort and that confidence also comes kindness. So somebody who's new to a masculine energy or who's insecure in it, it tends to look bossy and uh, pushy and um, Self-righteous, yes, okay, so, but if you're very comfortable in your masculine energy and very confident, it tends to be softer towards the feminine energy. You're not feeling the need to have this sort of abrasive, of what they call toxic masculinity, you know. Well, um, if you got that the power, you don't have to show it. You know, martial exactly. artists don't fight because yeah. they know they can kill you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that same kind of thing. If you're a strong guy and you know you're a strong guy, you don't have to tell mm-hmm. everybody that you're a strong guy. It's just going to be out there. That's right. You don't have yeah. to drive a Hummer and swing your around, right? You can, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can drive a home around, but like there's, there's, right, we're talking about this. Yeah, I should be there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, you, you can just be there, the strong presence that doesn't need anyone's approval. And I'll tell you, I know someone like this uh-huh. and um, people are very drawn to this person and this person doesn't even, I'm going to be honest, doesn't even like that many people. It doesn't really reciprocate. It just is very magnetic. It, the feminine is very magnetized to this person. It's really interesting. And the masculine Do they want to take also, care of him or do they want to sleep with him or what do they want to do with him? What, what do the women want to um, do Just with be guy? around feeling safe, feeling safe. Um, okay. Even if there's not sexual chemistry, just feeling like this person is a safe person. I, I would be protected. It's a protective provider energy. And, and yeah. men, masculine energy, men feel drawn to this person also because of, of, okay, this is a good leader. This person knows what they're doing. This person... You know, we can rely on them to be consistent and clear and not confusing and in a good direction. So um, anyway, let's go back to sexual tension. Uh, so what ruins sexual tension? I'm just going to say what ruins this chemistry. First of all, sure. in early on, early on in the relationship, honestly, physical sex too soon before mm-hmm. there's a strong emotional connection. Ooh, I see my time is running out here. Yeah, you are. Um, I don't keep when, it longer than, uh, you know, so feel free. We can pick up and next I hear week. my kids. My kids are about to knock on the door because we got an orthodontist appointment. But time to go. Um, what, and I, I, what I'm going to finish really quickly is what creates and keeps it initially. I'd like next week, maybe if it flows, for us to go to what what keeps it long term in the long term relationship. How do you keep mm-hmm. that passion? So, but in the short term, initially, 
um, yeah. when a woman or the feminine energy is start, goes into her masculine. And she usually does this, one, because she was raised to think she's supposed to, or two, because she feels unsafe and that masculine energy is not enough for her that she's dealing with right now. Um, mm. And when a man, when a man for, for the feminine energy, when the masculine becomes complaining, makes excuses for why things aren't working out for him, makes excuses why he didn't stick to his word with her, um, when he appears to be lazy, when he appears to be too much of a taker, um, I'm going to say it, cheap with money. I'm not saying he should throw it all around, but when he's cheap with her, um, mm-hmm. if he flirts with other women or is not consistent in his communication and his actions. So if the masculine mm-hmm. energy is doing these things, she begins to feel unsafe and does not, uh, is not going to stay in her feminine or is not going to stay there. It's not going to feel passionate. It's not going to feel, feel drawn to him for him. When she like takes over the masculine directing, advising, mothering is a huge turnoff being a therapist. (laughs) Let's turn for guys too. I think guy wants to date someone that wants to try and be their mother or or their, or their daughter or anything other than their girlfriend or wife. It just, uh, just uh, any of those, you assume a different role. You're going to have a huge problem. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So essentially just not being in her lighthearted feminine, being comfortable with her emotions and letting him lead and direct and just Mm -hmm. enjoying the ride. So anything outside of that uh, tends to start to turn off the masculine. Hmm. Oh, such a great topic. <laughs> this is fun. This is why I love talking to you. We have so much fun. I, 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 it's too bad we don't have the full hour because, you know, even when we have an hour, we still have lots to talk about afterwards. But uh, it'd be interesting. I wonder what energy I throw off. Uh, you can tell me on air or off the air. Uh, being basically, I think I'm a pretty strong dude. I was flying an airplane by myself at 16. You know, I did a lot of things that were very independent. I've always been pretty confident, and I had to because a lot of it was survival. But I also look like a nerd, you know, like California hippie. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, I don't know what what energy I throw off. It, it, it sure is, it's got to be a mixed message. But uh, anyway, uh, I'd, be, I'd be curious insights uh, as to do, do nerdy guys who are really strong internally throw off mixed messages? That'd be a whole topic sometime. Women too. You know, women who might appear aggressive because they're running a company might be very feminine uh, if you get them in person. I mean, there could be all kinds of stuff. That might be a topic. So, yeah, again, it comes down to energy for sure. And, I mean, okay. uh, my experience with you, and you're going to hear from Russell because I'm getting off the door. But uh, my experience <laughs> with you is you're pretty masculine energy. I think, I think you have cultural influences on you, as we all do. But um, I love our discussions, and I look forward to next week. We'll do it then. Thank you. Con- <laughs> uh, contact information? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Let's get your contacts up and get uh, out of here. you got to go. <laughs> I'm www.yoniyoon.com, Y-O-N-I-Y-U-N, and I'm on Facebook, Dorothy Diana, and uh, always open to questions or messages, and I do free phone calls through my website for consultation if someone needs coaching in any direction, masculine, feminine energy, relationship, sexuality, um, somatic movement therapy, things like that. Okay? Sounds good. Love it. <laughs> Thank good topic. You. This will be fun. We've got to do more about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you take care. Have a good week. And we'll talk next, uh, next Monday. All right. Thank you, Greg. Thanks yeah. for letting me go so fast today. <laughs> no, no problem. We'll, we'll just pick it up next week. <laughs> it's always more. Okay. The conversation never stops. We just take a break, you know, between it each week. I know. It just could yeah. go on and on. I love it so oh, much. Yeah. Thank you I so much. Too. Have a great week. Thank Bye-bye. You too. Bye now. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. 
Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, W-Y-L, which stands for Write Your Laws. My Pillow Pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at mypillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's mypillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elba Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Action Radio. 
Okay, we're back. I've got about uh, 18 minutes left or thereabouts. If we talk longer, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I love talking to Dorothy. Uh, Mondays, I just love. Mondays are great because I've got uh, I got an hour to kind of introduce the week and, and set a bunch of uh, um, subjects up. I got Jonathan, we get to talk politics. Uh, yeah, Dorothy, I get to talk about sex. I mean, <laughs> who could ask for more politics and sex on one day? I mean, it doesn't get better than that. So, uh, so this is why I love Mondays. And, uh, and of course, Tuesday, I, I like all the days of the week. Thursday is going to be a little uh, crazy this week because uh, Diane Warner, our election integrity reporter, is off for a few weeks. And so uh, Christy um, had a conflict, so we're going to move her over one. So uh, she's going to be on Wednesday, and we've got uh, another thing. So we move. Thursday is wide open, so if anybody wants to you know, have a guest hour, Thursday would be a great hour to, to come by and try and do that. And so please feel free to, uh, to give me a shout here or, or call or text or live chat or email greg at writeyourlaws.com. Uh, if you ever want to be on the radio Thursday, I've got three open hours. And so I'll probably do one of my WEBY classics, uh, and then we'll go from there and see what happens. But that's a wide open day. Friday, I need a gun reporter for Friday. Um, Shirley, you know, she's busy. She's doing all kinds of stuff. I'd uh, love to get her back, but, you know, people get busy lives. And so uh, I'm always grateful for the time I do have people to come on the show. But we'll see. So if you, if you know your guns, <laughs> you want to come on the show Friday, I've got time for you. And uh, we also have uh, our, our new person, actually, uh, Candace, uh, cowgirl Candace. Uh, she's got a regular shot, slot. She was busy this week, and we'll hear that story. Um, that's, the, that's an interesting story, what happened last week. Um, but, uh, again, I'll let her tell that. Uh, but, uh, you know, people come and go. Reports change. Things happen, and we just keep rolling along. The only absolute constant is me. <laughs> so you're stuck with me. But as for everybody else, yeah, you know, lies. Things happen. Stuff goes on. All right. So I've got uh, a little bit of time to introduce one thing to you. And this is one of those many articles I keep just for occasions like this. Uh, this is from Tom Rance. And I started subscribing to Tom Rance. He's a lawyer. Uh, hopefully we'll get him on the show one day. But, you know, he's one of those really big public figure guys. He's hard to get. Um, so he did a thing. It's called Renz. That's him. R-E-N-Z. Missouri House Testimony. Biotech admits Gates. That would be Bill Gates. GMO factory food is gene therapy. So what you've been told about, that they're going to put the, the COVID jab and everything else, messenger RNA, uh, into your food, that's exactly right. This is why you don't want to eat processed food. You don't want to eat GMO food. You want to eat organic as much as possible. You know, basically, you know, meat, um, you know, uh, dairy and, uh, and what else is good? You know, vegetables and, and fruits that are they're not processed. So just get rid of all the process. Anything processed, anything GMO, genetically modified, uh, is not going to be good for you because they're modifying. They're just going to put the stuff in. So I, I got a little summary points here, but I've got some time. I should be able to get through the article. So this appeared in Tom Wren's newsletter, uh, March 25th, so just a few days ago. He says, here is the press release posted on www.tomrenz.com. That's T-O-M-R-E-N-Z.com, or N-Z if you're in the, uh, the British Commonwealth. Uh, or also you've got Renz-Law.com. That's his other website. He says, for immediate release, biotech lobbyists in Missouri opposed to the HB 1169 gene therapy disclosure and informed consent bill, maybe something we need in Florida, admit that GMO food, like the type Bill Gates is pushing to manufacture uh, in factories, will, in capitals, will alter your genetics. Are these foods going to be the next messenger RNA vaccines? Uh, I would say yes. <laughs> HB, this is in Missouri. So if you look up HB 1169 in Missouri, says would require disclosure of any product. This is a good bill, by the way. You know, so you want to support this. Anytime you have disclosure or truth in labeling and things like that, you obviously want that. Right. HB 1169 in Missouri would require disclosure of any product that would produce impacts on the human body similar to a gene 
therapy drug, as well as requiring informed consent disclosure to include all risks and benefits, including avert adverse events of special interest. The language of the bill can be found at, and they've got a website, house.mo.gov slash bill tracking slash bill 231 slash a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> Look at the Missouri House of Representatives. Go find it there. It's, it's HB 1169. So if you just put Missouri, HB 1169, you should find it. All right. And then he says, naturally, Big Pharma and their associates oppose disclosure and informed consent. Of course they do. Because they don't want you to know what's in their stuff. But, but they're liable for their food. See, they're liable for food. They're not liable for vaccines. See, that's the difference. So because they're liable for their, the food they produce and, and process, then uh, we can, you know, but this is why we need our vaccine liability bill. It's right there, writeyourlaws.com. Go, go click legislation, click all proposed laws. It's like probably the fifth or sixth one down. Vaccine liability. Get that everywhere, and most of the problems of Big Pharma will go away because they will then be liable for the vaccines they produce. And everything else that they have vaccine material in too, by the way. Uh, that would be a, a pretty easy thing to establish by case law, or the legislature could just add that on. Um, I didn't think of it when I wrote the bill because I wrote the bill two years ago. So you could have had vaccine product liability two years ago if you just if y'all had simply shared the bell, but uh, people didn't. So here we are. All right. Next paragraph. During official testimony in the Missouri House on the bill, the lobbyist for biotech already said that, and Wash U, I guess that's Washington University, uh, in Missouri, went on record to admit that GMO foods do, in fact, impact people's genetic code. Well, that's the scariest thing I've heard all day. They actually opposed the bill on the basis that this law would require them to admit that all of their GMO products are, in fact, impact, impacting people's genetic code. Probably where they're getting fatter and dying earlier. What do you bet? More Alzheimer's, all that kind of stuff? More dementia? Yeah, probably they're probably uh, programming that into people's DNA now. Wouldn't be surprised. He says there was no disclosure as to how substantial the impact was or what studies were being done to ensure these modifications were not causing long-term health effects. Well, considering they forced a jab on people, which caused the, the long-term health effect of death, you know, you get the jab, a lot of people die from the jab. Um, that uh, You think they care about what they put in your food? Of course not. He says the shocking admission is critical in light of the Gates Foundation slash WEF, that would be World Economic Forum, push to begin producing all meats and dairy products in factories. Well, then they can put anything in they want. See, if you have a, if you have a, a, a beef that's, you know, a cow or a steer that, that's naturally produced by nature, you know, a, a grass came with the GNA that God gave it, <laughs> that's pretty safe stuff. You know, it's all the hormones and antibiotics and everything else they put in to make it bad. But if they actually make meat in a factory, they grow it, you know, you have no idea what's in there. Uh, birth control. <laughs> Who knows what they'll put in there. Um, uh, preponderance to addiction for fentanyl. Not that it isn't addictive enough already. You know, if they, if, if they have they have control of the food supply and they can put anything genetic in there they want, they can make uh, all kinds of genetic things. They can make people want sex 24 hours a day. I don't know. I don't know what goes in these things. Why not? If you can program your genes, you can program anything, right? Anyway, they, he says, if a basic GMO food can cause modification of our genome, what could an entirely manufactured food do? Well, I think I just asked that question. He says, further, do we trust the same people to ensure these products are safe and effective that told us the COVID vaccines would stay in the injection site, have minimal side effects, and prevent the spread of COVID, despite admitting to the European Union that they never studied the vaccine's ability to stem the spread of COVID? Yeah, this is the first vaccine that specifically does not do what it says it does. It, you know, you take it, it's, it you know, so, so the COVID shot, A, first of all, the COVID vaccine is not a vaccine. It's a messenger RNA gene therapy, so they were wrong there. It's not safe because it kills people. It's not effective 
because it doesn't stop the spread of COVID. Okay. So what else do they lie about? It doesn't say the injection site. It does cause side effects. It does cause myocarditis, pericarditis, and other things that swell your heart and kill young people. It, you know, it does all these horrible things. It ruins your immune system. It makes you dependent on more vaccines to stay alive. Because when your immune system is gone, the only thing that's, that you have for an immune system is vaccines. The more vaccines you, you take, the more your natural immunity is ruined, making you more dependent on vaccines, making them more rich. See how this works? Vaccines are a marketing scheme to destroy your immune system and make you dependent on vaccines simply to be alive. That's what they want. Back to the newsletter. The fact that anyone would oppose an informed consent and disclosure bill is shocking enough, but to do so based on the fact that the presentation of this bill <clears throat> excuse me, has forced the lobbyists to admit that they are already aware that their products have an impact on our genome is incredible. It also leads to several critical questions. One, how substantial is the impact of GMO foods on the human genome? Two, Given that only 2% of our genome is understood, <laughs> great, much of the rest is known as the, quote, dark genome because its purpose is not known. Well, that's interesting. So how do we know what health impacts the modifications of these unnatural substances are having? So don't eat non-food. Don't eat bugs. Don't eat non-food. Don't eat factory meat. Don't eat meat substitutes. Eat meat. If you want to eat meat, eat meat. If you want to eat vegetables, eat vegetables. If you want to eat fruit, eat fruit. If you want to eat carbs, don't eat so much. <laughs> okay, carbs are basically sugar. Number three, is or are any of the engineered foods we are being fed uh, being designed with the intent to modify human genetics? And if so, how? I've asked that question too, but let's find out what he says. Four, given that it is now well established that foods have the potential to act as messenger RNA carriers, is that happening or are there plans to make foods into mRNA vaccines? Hmm. Number five, if a GMO food is being designed with the intent to modify uh, or knowledge that it will facilitate a modification to the person that ingests it, wouldn't that food be subject to medical rules of informed consent? One would think so. If you're eating food that actually is a medical product that has a medical effect on you other than just beneficial nutrition, yeah, you should probably get a prescription. <laughs> and even then I wouldn't take it. Number six, why haven't the Department of Health and Human Services, the CDC, the FDA, and other relevant regulatory bodies informed the public of the potential for these foods to alter genetic makeup? Well, I'll tell you, because they all want jobs in big pharma, and that's why, and big agriculture. That's why they don't do it. They all figure that that would ruin the chances of making the six-figure income from the five-figure income they're making in government. They want the six-figure income in the private sector. That's why they don't uh, do anything to regulate the private sector, even though that's the job. We know how this works. And number seven, are agricultural producers civilly liable already for the potential negative health consequences of GMO foods in light of these emissions? Parentheses, I look forward to filing that lawsuit and hope any doctor or scientist with evidence related to the question contacts me. Yeah, contact uh, Tom Renz, T-O-M-R-E-N-Z, TomRenz.com. He says, there are many more questions I have, but the simple reality is that these lobbyists unwittingly admitted that their clients may be civilly liable for injury on a level beyond comprehension. That means billions of dollars, folks. He says, what is the value of maintaining your genome? Well, it's, it's your life. It's who you are because <laughs> your, your, your genetics determine everything about your life except uh, maybe your personality. And then again, we're not sure that that's not included. He says, if someone manufactures something that modifies your genetics and didn't tell you what is their liability and, this, and, uh, and didn't tell you what is their liability, how much greater will the damages be if those changes result in negative health consequences? You know, what if it turns a bunch of you know, macho guys into nerds and then, and then the, the army can't find people for, to go defend the country? I don't, just asking the question, right? 
For any big trial firm that is interested, I'm happy to consult on the case. I'll be filing eventually regardless, but if someone can get there before me, I'll be happy to take them uh, just so I can see it happen. Yeah, I should get Tom. I'm sure Tom Renz and Jeff Shoulders talk to each other. I'm sure, but just in case. Anyway, it says, uh, in case anyone is wondering why I do not get asked to testify more frequently or why the U.S. House has avoided asking me to testify uh, in the COVID hearings, despite my obvious relevance to the topic, look no further than what I just did in Missouri. The Democrats hate me, the rhinos hate me worse, and the only people I care to fight for are the American people. That's pretty much Action Radio. We're, we're in that same boat. Uh, anyway, it says, that means that my very testimony will always reveal a lot of inconvenient truths, and there are very few politicians that want the unfettered truth. Anyway, it says, you can find my complete testimony here, da, da, da. The, this fight is only just warming up for me, and I will see accountability for these globalist dirtbags that are seeking to destroy America for their benefit. Well, good. I think so, too. Well, I've tried contacting you, Tom. He's, uh, you know, I've got his Facebook page. You know, we're, we're sort of connected, but, you know, he's busy. He doesn't talk to me as much as I'd like. Anyway, um, that's about it. That's all I have for today. I don't, uh, I don't see callers or, or uh, anyone else on live chat, so I guess we're kind of uh, – pretty much done for today. Uh, I would encourage you to go to gregpengliss.substack uh, and check out my article, uh, which is, uh, is it, you know, FBI KGB, is it treason or perjury or both? Uh, and again, the argument is it's both. <laughs> but if you read the article, you find out why. Uh, maybe I should check my stats. Let's check my stats, see how we're doing. If it's great, I'll let you know. If it's not that great, um, yeah, could be better. <laughs> okay, so let me hold it there. Um, but uh, we could get definitely more people. Um, I'm done. Tomorrow, we've got Brianna Cannon, Government Inquiry. We've got uh, Josie Cossi with the Latino Report. Third hour, I haven't quite figured out yet. That's, that's normally, I try to have one hour um, for guests per day. And so it's the first hour Mondays, third hour Tuesdays. Wednesdays, it's kind of like the middle hour. So that way, it's spaced out so different people who have different times available can do that. But uh, that's where we stand. I've uh, got some bills to write. Two big bills I want to write. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning of the show or not, but let me just uh, go over these right now real quick. And so the two bills are, the first one is, let me get my notes. I'm just kind of move where I'm going. Um, drug ads, drug advertising. Yeah, I think I did mention this. So Judy Mikovits and one of our listeners got together on the show and wrote a bill to ban drug advertising. Now, it's been sitting there. I just have to fix it, correct it, uh, and post it, and then, then we start talking about it. So that would be a great bill. That would be a great bill to have out before the, uh, the next rally. We've got a rally April 14th uh, and then a big meeting on April 15th here in uh, Pensacola, Gulf Breeze. Uh, the rally's in Pensacola Friday night the 14th. The meeting's in Gulf Breeze Saturday the 15th. So that's a good thing to go to. But I should have my, uh, my drug bill ready uh, for that. I'll probably get that ready in a couple of days. The other one is on electric cars. This one's going to be a little more complicated because I was thinking of requiring a bunch of things. One, a $25,000 hazmat fee for the battery. Um, two, that the, uh, when they talk about it being you know, non-polluting or zero emissions, they, they take into account the emissions of the power plant. Um, most likely, you know, whatever percentage of power powers electric vehicles, we need to put that in as a, uh, as a carbon footprint or as a cost or something like that. That this vehicle in this state is going to use 85% you know, organic fuel, you know, petroleum, coal, natural gas, things like that, and maybe 5% nuclear. You know, and only uh, 10%, you know, for example, <clears throat> um, solar and wind. So that people need to know that, all right? But there should also be a, a, um, an equivalent of the, of the gasoline gallon per gallon tax, the sales tax. We need a sales tax on the electricity that goes into cars. All the other things that, gas ha- uh, that the gasoline cars have, we need to put on electric cars. And if, a gasoline, if an electric car has a $7,500 subsidy, a federal subsidy, then the states need to charge a $7,500 tax to offset it. So it equalizes. 
You can't have electric cars getting special treatment. You know, so that's, that's what we're going to do with that. Uh, and that's about it. And then we just see what happens. <clears throat> so I've got my Trump thing. I'm going to try and get Trump people back on the show. I've got a million people to talk to. It's just going to be busy. So the show is the fun part of my day. <laughs> it really is. The work is all the rest of my day. And so let me just play you uh, a couple of things on our way out here. I'm actually going to finish on time today. That never happens. And I'll see you tomorrow morning, uh, 7 a.m. Central Time with uh, Brianna Cannon and Government Inquiry. Whoop, there's my 90-second morning. Uh, Brianna Cannon with Government Inquiry, and then we'll, uh, we'll sort of take it from there. All right, let me see what I've got here. This should do it. Yeah, talk to you uh, tomorrow morning at uh, 7 a.m. Central Time. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener. And help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.